Hello and welcome to Bros Watch PLL2. I'm Benjamin Light. And I am Marcus Marks. And today we're talking about S6E2 Songs of Innocence. Getting right into Season 6 Pretty Little Liars. This episode, a very moody, very disturbing episode. Uh, an episode unlike any other of the show in a lot of fashion. Mm-hmm. I dug it. Uh, PLL oh, subreddit didn't, but uh, what are you going to do? Totally in my top five, without a doubt. I would say so, yeah. Possibly top five, or top ten of, like, I don't know, all television shows I've ever seen. I would say it's maybe the most emotionally affecting yeah. episode they've done. Yeah. Um, And, and we'll get into that. Uh, written. Is this, I mean, is this PLL's, like, The Body from Buffy? Maybe. Mm, yeah. Written by Joseph Doherty, directed by Norman Buckley, both friends of the podcast. Mm. Uh, it's fun to watch just because we've been kind of just hearing little snitches about them talking about this, and now we get to see you know what they've been up to. You know that um that expression uh, or whatever like the easiest way to destroy someone is to tell them that you you love them and then walk away and never speak to them again. Like the little taste that we did get name dropping again when we were on the set. Like we've just been dying to see how that plays out. <laughs> like I almost envy people who who knew nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Well. I don't know. At the top, I, I kind of wonder. I wonder what you thought of this episode because there, to me, that like there's like a really specific way to read this episode that I feel like I don't know how you couldn't read it that way, but maybe it's just me. What What did you think of the episode? Give me specifics. What do you mean? How do you well, read it specifically? To me, I, this episode is all about PTSD from rape, basically. Uh, I mean, not not to, not to say not they they actually rape, were, but, but I mean, violation, the, yeah. The yeah. metaphor is like it's the entire episode. That's well, it's I'm... it's PTSD, it's trauma. I mean, mm-hmm. in whatever form. I mean, how many people have I seen like comment on somewhere on Facebook or or Twitter about they work with people who are suffering from from something similar to PTSD or that is exactly, and they've said that this is the realistic example of what people I know are going through or what mm-hmm. I've gone through myself. I mean, yeah. I mean, especially after reading Heather Hogan's recap of the the last week's episode, like to me, just watching this whole episode, it was like I I know not in the literal sense, but the metaphor is so strong. It's like it's hard to not see it through every scene, you know. Um, which I don't know for this podcast, you know, we like to laugh and joke around, but to me, this is like a pretty serious episode. Um, a lot of like really kind of like deep, disturbing, um, but hopefully. I don't know, cathartic imagery happening. I mean, but it's also, it's very similar in regards to some of the things that happen in the show. It's also very grounded, you know, when we talk about the reality show. Mm -hmm. Um, There are moments, you know, that evoke similar experiences. Like, I kind of had to think about some of the stuff of Ashley and Hannah reminded me of when uh, Hannah came back from New York exactly this time last Mm -hmm. season. Mm -hmm. Um, And just like, you know, again, the usual, like the food metaphor that passes between the Marin girls. Um, but yeah, I wanted to read just a quick paragraph from Heather Hogan's recap. I know it's pretentious to do so, and I won't nearly do her words justice, but I, I absolutely adored this paragraph, which was, The dollhouse fucks us up, us the viewers, because it reminds us that this world is doing its best every day to shove us in there and dress us how it wants us, wants and feeds us, ah, wants and feeds us on what it wants and torture us into brainwash compliance. It wants to separate us from each other. And once we're isolated, play out its entitled, deranged fantasies all over our brains and bodies. 
Pale Liars takes the real world and crunches into Rosewood, and now has taken Rosewood and crunched into the dollhouse. It makes you sick because you're looking at the truth, and you know it's the truth. Spencer says Charles feels familiar. Goddamn right he does. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, I, I really, I mean, the show is, it's always had the, the subtext that you can read into before, but I don't think it's ever been as strong as in this season so far. Well, uh, and then and if I could also repeat something that Jacob Clifton had said, <laughs> it's not just about taking the, the liars out of the dollhouse. It's putting the dollhouse back into the liars, <laughs> um, which is yeah. exactly what's happened here. Yeah, well, and, you know, I, I know that, uh, you know, among the, uh, the TV blog variety, a lot of discussion of Game of Thrones this year for their pretty controversial rape scene. And I thought it's kind of a, a strange contrast. You have that show, a character, a main character gets raped in the next episode. It's barely even addressed, like, how it affects that character at all. Right. Uh, whereas on Pretty Little Liars, no one was actually raped, but that's what this episode is essentially all about. It's all about the aftermath of trauma for the characters. It's, Pretty refreshing. I was not a fan of that Game of Thrones uh, plot twist or, you know, development, so to speak. So I think this is a really, really excellent episode. I'm really going to be devastated next week when Arya has Mike burned alive. Mm. You know, the red god demanded it. Uh huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> so, All right. Well, let, let's jump in. You have to love that the previous on segment actually opens up the shot of the four liars that are dead in the morgue. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we're going to open up. On a number two, I thought that was an, a nice way to start it. I think this is like from the elevator. Like it's, it's floor number two on Rosewood Hospital here as we kind of come around a corner. A lot of looking through windows in this episode. We're looking yeah. in kind of blurry in the background. We see the liars are all there in a hospital room. Mm. Spencer is in a hospital bed with an IV. The other liars are just there in bathrobes. Kind of makes me wonder, was like Spencer a little more fucked up than the others? Um, maybe not maybe, getting as much food as part of some torture game or something. Oh well, yeah, know. after after something Hannah says later, I started to wonder if Spencer's more dehydrated than the other girls. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so this is basically the same night of their rescue, just much later. Uh, Arya says, "Where's Mona?" And Hannah says, "She's down the hall." And that other girl's down there too, Sarah Harvey. And Emily's just like, "What about Andrew?" Um. So there's a great shot. We, we hear this before we actually see them because there's a great shot through the window. They're, they're all blurry in the background. Mm -hmm. um, Hannah looks over at Arya, and you can tell that Arya is going to take this question very personally. And she's just like, what about him? Well, Arya is like, who? Basically. <laughs> Andrew? I never even saw that asshole before. Uh, yeah, it's a little awkward. Hannah's like, I heard them talking about him in my ambulance, uh, about how they found the plans and journals in Andrew's house, the farm where he left the van. Uh, and Emily says, Andrew Campbell and Charles Delorentis are the same person. That's what we're saying, right? Um, and Arya's like, we're not saying it. It's reality. Arya's like, is that a conclusion? I'm going to jump to it. Mm -hmm. Spencer says, reality's been through a lot. So have we. Uh, which is <laughs> nice. Like For once, Spencer's like, no, I'm not going to take the bait on this one. Well, And her, her voice is so raw and bruised and exhausted. Mm -hmm. Like there's something, I don't know, so devastating about just like trying both stars voice in this episode can i mention that aria's in a, a pink bathrobe hannah's in a, a, like a baby blue bathrobe spencer's is kind of lavender and emily's is just like gray hmm. do with that what you will it would be great if it was the color of the post-it notes oh yeah definitely that would have been amazing yeah so uh where are we at they're just all kind of stewing here Aria's like you guys it makes perfect sense andrew's always just 
been there on the edge of things, always just helping. It makes me sick just thinking about it. <laughs> Neither Hannah nor Emily look all that convinced by this like passionate decree. So Emily's well, just like, so when do we tell the police about Charles? They're just like, we don't. Yeah. And the others are like, really? We don't? You know, Hannah's like, we don't. And Spencer says, the cops will know if it's true. And Ari's like, it is true, Spencer. Like, Ari had probably, like, just heard that it was Andrew, like, what, 15 seconds ago? And she's convinced. Well, remember when when Emily had to turn to Ari at one point uh, in 5B and be like, are you sure that Allison is A? And Ari's like, yes, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, do you want to just go get shopping, get some shoes or something? No, but yeah, never mind. we have a brand new reason to not tell the cops something, because fuck them. That's why. Well, Spencer says they'll know Andrew is Charles when they find him. She's basically like, fuck this. and might not working anymore. I'm in a goddamn hospital, you know? Yeah. And we get a kind of cool overshot, over, overhead shot of the liars looking down as they all kind of just contemplate Andrew. And then we're going to cut to the woods. We're going to see Andrew getting tackled by Ossifer Toby. Well, we should say real quick, too, like, because cause for a long time now, being this is still beginning of the season, Norman Buckley and Joseph already have been hyping, like, not only these two episodes, but some of the stuff that they wanted to do with them visually. Mm-hmm. To the point where, you know, it's a collaboration. Like, some of what those ideas have been worked into the story to make it easier. And I think it's this episode, even more so than most, it's like, it's where the camera's placed is is so integral to, like, the emotional, abstract level you feel. Um, because, I mean, that's really, like, what a camera can do. It can show you color and space and you know, each image frozen in time and a mood from that. But yeah, so... Well, also, I, I wonder if this is intentional or not, but the floor of the hospital is like a, a chessboard. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Try to remember. It's just a game. Um, yeah, so Toby's chasing Andrew through the woods. Uh, he, like, tackles him. They, like, roll down a hill. Andrew is wearing that getup that we saw in the video that Detective Barry found last week. The hat and the coat and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, Toby has apparently tracked him down. They're wrestling, and Andrew, we hear him say, geez, Toby, listen to me. And then Toby just, like, starts punching him in the gut. Yeah, TJ uh, Hooker there. Yeah. Then another cop shows up at the top of the hill with a flashlight, and Toby looks up, and he's like, give me five minutes. Toby's just like, good cop and bad cop left for the day. I'm <laughs> another kind of cop. <laughs> yeah, this is, yeah, this is officer male model. Yeah, Toby wants to fuck Andrew up some more, but this cop is like, hey that's not cool you know and toby's just like walk away uh, and uh, like hilarious like finger pointing acting can, here can we get real toby is basically just one cell phone camera video away from fucking up some kid's birthday <laughs> swim party all right yeah yeah and uh this cop who would say his name is lorenzo uh he's like not gonna happen and he comes down and gets right in toby's face he's like do your job and toby's like super butthurt about this he's like i thought being a cop was supposed to mean i get to beat the shit out of anyone but Andrew seems like kind of momentarily pleased by this. He's like sneering until bracelets go on. Uh, couldn't Andrew like have this arrest thrown out because <laughs> of police brutality? I don't think so. <laughs> um, and then Toby says, you have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in the court of law. Yeah, there's some, some hard faces One, flash at each other. Yeah, Andrew's looking hard. It's, I'm really curious because I mean, we're all assuming he's not actually A, but like what is he up to he's up to something it's not like he's like oh just strolling through the woods you know like he's out here where you know it's presumably somewhere near the a layer like what the fuck are you doing 
Andrew's just like, God damn it, Toby, I was just minding my own business, walking home from my MRA rally. <laughs> um, I remember, like, when the writers convened for, like, season six, there was a lot of tweets from, like, I'm Marlon King about, like, hey, what's a good name for, like, a hot male guy to, like, come to Rosewood? And oh, I is wonder, that for Lorenzo? I wonder if Lorenzo, because I remember I was just tweeting randomly, like, the names from the uh, support groups from Fight Club, Cornelius. Well, I gotta say, Lorenzo Calderon, that is a strong name. It's a very like, strong that's, name. That's a bold, bold name there. I like it. Also, more than once, I accidentally typed in Lando Calrissian. Hmm. All right. So then we get credits. And then we're going to open on this wonderful shot of Allie staring straight ahead. And I like how she's all the way over on one side of this, the screen. I mean, I suppose we're going to talk enough about the framing in this episode to get annoying. But... um obviously some some thought was put into it so i feel like we need to mention it the way she's just looking right at the camera she has this wonderful look on her face like of just like could not give less of a shit as her dad's like lecturing and like kind of pacing in front of her well i just sasha Butersa, like who just she's, turned 12 she is great in this episode just turned 12 as they were filming this uh this episode <laughs> uh she has such tremendous presence and like allison has you know some of the least amounts of stuff to do in this episode but like just her her whole affect everywhere mm-hmm. around everyone is so, I don't know, off-putting. I really wish that you could do another shadow play just to have her talk and like about malls and dance oh, yeah. and tales. Well, and she's got her dad pacing around. He says, you had no right to put yourself in that much danger, which just, man, parse that line. Like everything about that line. <laughs> Go write a paper on it. You have no yeah, right to put yourself in that much danger. Allie, I'll you don't be- have the, you don't have the right to your own danger. Yeah, Allie's like, I wanted to help. I did help. I saved them. And she did because, you know, Ezra and Caleb, come on. Yeah, I feel like, you know, maybe this got a little lost in the details of the podcast last week. But, like, Allie put together a plan and she got shit done. Like, well, and she it was worked. The, she was the point person mm-hmm. on both fronts of that plan. I mean, like, Caleb and Ezra, they, they had a two-part plan. Their part, first part was sit in the car a whole bunch. Part two. Take a stroll through the woods at night. Yeah. While he put it together, it worked, and she was instrumental in the rescue of the liar. So, mm-hmm. shut the fuck up, Kenneth. And he's like, yeah. you, had, you had no obligation. And Allie's just like, yes, I did. Because she's the leader. He puts uh, up these, like, whoa, 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 Keegan Allen hands. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And he just kind of, like, flaps his hands, like, impotently. I, I realize I use the word impotently or impotent a lot in my notes this week. Because that's what a lot of the... <laughs> the other characters are doing they like they kind of have nothing to do uh with ali and with the liars here mm-hmm. um it's again it's like you know he's got nothing he's like it's over and so he just sits down puts an arm around her and he says they'll catch that pervert campbell and that will be the end of it and they'll never find out i killed your mother the look on her face as he talks but also ken acts like he's had the rough day yeah <laughs> well Allie's just like looking off like uh yeah uh, and Kenneth's like, it's been a very long day. The important thing is you're safe. And so you can tell his comfort is just like so meaningless to her. Like her mind is elsewhere. Yeah. So she says, maybe. And he gives her this look like, what? I just have to say, because I, I blanked on the actor's name last week. Uh, Jim Abel or Abel? Jim Abel or Abel. I don't know how you pronounce them. So I'd say, I usually straight up fucking cheer whenever this guy is in an episode. His performance. I hope that you do. His performance is always so interesting to me. Usually, it's so broad. 
<laughs> like, I feel like there's a great comedic career that this guy deserves. He but, always uh, seems, like, perpetually angry. <laughs> Just, you know. Some in the westerns they would go into like the saloon and order a shot of sarsaparilla. This guy's just like, give me a cup of my own piss. I hope it's straight up. Well, you ever meet someone who like they just always seem like ready to complain or or just like be like annoyed? Like that's this guy. You mean like, so I, old, old white man bitch face? Yes. <laughs> like has this guy ever just like smiled? Like like have we ever seen Ken like happy? Like unreservedly so. I... Like not like shit eating. I don't think we have. <laughs> like anyway. he's just gonna be in an elevator and turn to that group of people as the doors open. It was me who farted. <laughs> uh, uh, so she's just like, "Who is Charles De Laurentiis?" And he's like, "What?" And yeah, she's like, "No poker face on Kenneth here." Who? And uh, this is where I especially want to call out Jimmy Bill because he starts to Kenneth starts to make that face you make. When you realize that you're being studied and you have to lock your own face down. And also like, you left the iron on. But I'm like, I, I he's like, he's got like the same interior monologue of struggle that Ari must have going on now. Because he realizes that she's looking right at his face mm -hmm. or some kind of sign of something. She's just studying him. Yeah. And he's like, no Charles de Laurentiis in this family. Well, and so she says, she says, you know, someone asked Charles de Laurentiis, I don't recognize the name. Do we have yeah. that family? And he's like, no. And she's like, no one. Ever and so Allison has got to be thinking, is this what it looks like when I lie to people? <laughs> well, and he says no Charles De Laurentiis in his family, and you can tell he's like he's aiming for like certainty here, but it, it feels like stonewalling. Yeah, you know, and so Allie just kind of shrugs. This is where he gets very subtle. It's 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 enigmatic. It's a little bit mellow compared to you know, usual Kenneth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then Allie's like, well, then I guess that person made a mistake. But obviously she doesn't really believe that. And then we get some eyebrow work. Yeah. So we cut to Sarah Harvey's hospital room. Sarah Harvey's like laying there in the bed, seemingly asleep. Emily's kind of hovering not not too far from the doorway watching She's her. She's just watching. Maybe being a little creepy. As you as you do if a complete mm -hmm. stranger. Um, Emily starts to leave and we hear Sarah say, I'm not asleep. Um, <laughs> By the way, I think your, your Sarah voice is going to be the new Toby voice. <laughs> I hope not, because I actually really think Jay Davis does an amazing job, especially in this well, episode. Does she like? Is she from Australia or something? I like when she because she's when she says I'm not asleep. It sounded like 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 there's an accent on that. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if she's from Australia or maybe from like the land of the Fae or or what. She has a fascinating. I mean, I looked it voice. up. IMDb or whatever said she's American, but I'm not sure I believe that. Uh, Emily turns back. She says hi, and Sarah says, "Sorry, can can you go ahead there?" Hi, who are you? <laughs> I'm Emily. You're Emily. You were down there. I can't do it all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with my friends, and it's like just awkward. And Emily's like, "Have you talked to your parents?" And I'm not gonna do it because okay. she says, "You know, just my mother." We talked on the phone. She cried. If I had just watched, like, an attempt to do it, but. uh yeah, Emily asked, like, how did you end up there? And and Sarah says it. That, oh, I wish I could do this. Justin, I ran away. Yeah. She's like, I was uh, in a parking lot near Rosewood. I hit my head or someone hit me on the head. Then I was down there. And this kind of suitably disturbs Emily here. Mm -hmm. And Sarah says, and I thought, well, now you know what happens to bad little girls. It's just, e like, yeah, it's a kind of gross, like, internalization there. And 
Emily like just like lets that fly, just steamrolls right over it. And she's like, did you see who grabbed you? I mean, did, did you hear his voice? Uh, so which makes me wonder, like, Emily, if she's asking these questions, maybe she doesn't really totally think it's Andrew either. Mm. And Sarah's just like, I'm tired. And she rolls over to sleep and it's like, you know, that conversation's over. Way to be supportive, Emily. Yeah, yeah. Like, way to put the mystery ahead of Sarah's whatever just like, suffering. That's, that's what happens to bad little girls. And Emily's just like, anyway. But I mean, from from the Sarah Harvey scenes in this episode, you can really infer a certain kind of backstory, I think. Yeah. Um, I mean, she ran away. I think that says a lot right there. Yeah, yeah. But I think you can kind of, I don't know. I, I guess I had my theory about why she ran away. Um, anyway, so mm-hmm. back in the hospital room, the sun's coming up. Spooby is hugging. Um, we got him, the son of a bitch. He's getting some nuzzling in there, some reassurance. He's like, he's been lacking in his safe place to land, and she's just like, "You caught him." We got the son of a bitch. Just let that roll over you, babe. <laughs> we tracked him all over Tyler Park. Finally, flushed him out. And I'm Toby. Said, I track people. Ponder that, babe. <laughs> Toby the tracker. Like, he's just, like, picking up dirt and, like, facing it. <laughs> he's, and, like, no, he's, like, doing a thing where, you, like, you pick up leaves and, like, like drop them and, like, watch which way they go. <laughs> <laughs> and then, meanwhile, like, uh, Lorenzo's like, actually, Toby, I think he went that way. I can still see him running. <laughs> <laughs> Toby's like, this branch is here. broken here. I think he went this way. <laughs> um. So, Sasha says, like, you know, are you sure he's the one? And it's it's... It's not that just that she's been through this whole song and dance before. It's also that she's just not impressed of his tough cop shit, which I love. Yeah. And he says, we've been chasing him since we found the prison van at his uncle's farm. It, they trace all the electric electronic gear to him. Um, and I kind of wonder, like, he's he's so certain now. Is he maybe just trying to show that, like, he was useful and did something while Spencer oh. was a hostage? Oh, yeah. Like, is this kind of for, for his benefit as much as for her? Oh, yeah, yeah. And Spencer's, she seems kind of curious, but, like, not really convinced. And Toby's saying, you know, they found a journal about how he hated Mona and how he thought Allison and the rest of you represented the feminization of society. <laughs> Andrew's an MRA. Oh, that's hilarious. Andrew's like, I'd like to talk to you about the ethics of video game journalism. It's about the ethics of Pretty Little Lying. Yeah, well, I I kind of wonder here, like these journals, like were those actually Andrews or were they planted? Because I could totally buy Andrew being like a creepy MRA, like red pillar type. I could buy it though, but at the same time, if it was planted, I feel like a went through this whole thing because a knew it would work. Yeah, knew you would believe it. Well, because that's how fucked up things. He totally gives off that like that like I'm being a nice guy, I deserve to date you type of vibe. You know, and he tried it with Spencer, it never really worked, so then he switched to Arya. The uh, the phrase that I heard first coined on the internet like years and years ago that I always liked was, it's not misogynist, it's emosogynist. Emosogynist, yeah. Yeah, that's an Andrew thing. It's always like, it was a regular manifesto. Spencer says, has he confessed? And Toby's like, not yet. If he's smart, he will. This town doesn't need another trial. And Spencer's like, no, it doesn't. And I don't know, is there, for me, when I watch this conversation play out, Toby seems sketchy again. I don't know. Maybe it's just Toby being Toby. Oh, I Especially like that Toby... line about the trial. Like, why don't you want a trial? Oh, no. To me, it's it's every scene in this episode, Toby's hitting the sudden brick wall 
of how his he's not a fucking hero. And it's like he's starting to realize that. And I'm like, not a me, hero. Like, that's been Toby's thing almost the entire course of the show since he started dating Spencer's. Everything he did was without thought to be a fucking hero. And it's like... That's like all the guys on this show in yeah, their own but, way. Yeah, yeah, true, true. Well, and that's why Caleb works, because there's no ego there. Yeah, so there's there's still sass. some ego. I there's feel like you sass. give you give Caleb a little more slack than I give him. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Shit. Toby's like, I'll let you get back to sleep. And then she says, I was asleep. Actual real sleep. I haven't had that in a long time. Is she... Like sticking it to him for like waking her up to brag about his collar. No, no, I, I, I think it's more like she's like, hey, wow, you know, I actually had real sleep for the first time since before the pilot. Like I was twelve years old the last time I got a real night of sleep. Okay. Uh, and Toby's like, we never gave up. And then he, they kiss, and he mm-hmm. rests his massive head on her shoulder. Yeah. Well, yeah, she, she needs, she needs a little Toby sugar, safe place to land. She's like, Toby, I, I love you, but. You smell like a chase in the woods. I feel like Spencer would be into that. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe. That's an addictive personality right there. Yeah. Uh, so, meanwhile, in Emily's hospital room <laughs> the next yeah. day. Pam's there, and Emily's on the phone with Wayne, heart-conditioned fields. Mm-hmm. We don't see or hear. Pam's, like, going through some, like, uh, prescription pills, and Emily's saying, I'm all right, really. No, I understand. The army isn't nine to five. Pam's packing up Emily's shit, and Emily's like, do you want to talk to mom again? Okay, love you, bye. (laughs) Sorry, Pam. And Emily's like, he'll talk to you tonight. Pam wants to get out of there. Emily says, I just wanted to stop by Sarah's room and say goodbye. Pam says, well, she's gone, honey. I saw her leaving with her mother when I got off the elevator. Emily's like, her mom came for her? And Pam says, I'm assuming it was her mother. I didn't really talk to him. So I saw a lot of speculation about this line. Like, did she really leave with her mother? Like, what's going on? What do you think? Because I could, I could go both ways on this. I think that. Well, we should probably talk about it after the last Sarah Harvey scene. But yeah, there, there's fertile ground for two different narratives there that I think are both, both very interesting, very right for storytelling. Yeah, I, the, I the straightforward one. Don't, I, I kind of buy the more straightforward one, but I guess we'll have to see. The straightforward one, I think, makes a lot more sense. But then again, there's still the contingent who I saw so many times on the internet. They were like, we really want Sarah to be Bethany. And it's like, yeah, well, I mean, I, I okay. guess I could I could see this explaining some some weirdness with Sarah Harvey not actually meeting her mom. Or I could see that line just being there because they wanted to explain why Sarah's gone without establishing that Pam had talked to the mother. Right. Just because of, you know, stuff that comes up later. Uh, anyway, so Pam's she gets the suitcase, but then she kind of pauses and sets it down. It's like she can kind of sense that, uh, you know, something's on Emily's mind here. And she says, you know, the police said Sarah had been down there for over two years. And obviously this kind of hits Emily. So she goes over to give her a hug. And Well, I think it also it's it's sunk in for Pam that that mm-hmm. could very well have been Emily. Yeah. And Emily hugs her and she says it's, it's OK now. Well, um, and I like this. It's like the start of like Emily has to reassure her mother. Yeah, well. You know, the, this episode's all about, you know, how they're coping with their trauma. I think one of the things Emily's doing now is she's she's kind of projecting a little. Mm-hmm. Like, she's like, oh, I have to comfort you. You know, she's not really acknowledging her own feelings. She's kind of, you know, making it about now she has to, to do things for other people. Like, so she doesn't have to acknowledge, you know, her own trauma. Well, and I think you get that both, since we're about to go into Hannah, you get that with both Emily and Hannah. It's mm-hmm. that 
while they're dealing with their own issues, they're also having to deal with the people who are uh, getting a little too close to them, trying to care for them. Yeah, but I think this is this is such an Emily move to like make it all about other people other than herself. You know, and oh, that's yeah. it's totally true to her character. I mean, yeah, this episode is just such a fun like character study for all of the liars. Yeah, Emily's definitely a, uh, a caretaker. So we've got the mm-hmm. Hannah's bedroom, her real bedroom. Uh, this is her room, not the other one. She walks in for stuff in the hospital, looks around. She's got uh, a bag of pills too, I know. Yeah, very very nice shot as the camera just kind of moves in closer to Hannah's face as she looks around. And then we get some quick flashes, like flashbacks to the dollhouse room, the home sweet home whiteboard. The flashes are like this kind of like lime greenish filter. This well, kind um, of like It's like when Allie was thinking of her attack by in, Cyrus. In the dark alley? Yeah. Yeah, it's like there's like a the sound effect is like a scream going through a record scratch. It's <laughs> it's very jarring and dissonant, but I love it. Um, well, the, you know, the, well, let me just cut you off briefly. When those flashbacks in a dark alley happen, the the different visual style made us wonder like, is this did these actually happen? Is this maybe a lie she's telling? I feel like we could maybe say, given that we're seeing the same type of flashback visual style here. Maybe this is just the show's way of saying this is a flashback to a traumatic event. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the memory filtered through the mm-hmm. trauma. Um, so these flashes are entered by Ashley coming up behind Hannah and touching her and kind of startles Hannah a little bit, of course. As she senses that, says sorry. Hannah's like, no, it's fine. They hug. You get these great shots over each other's shoulders as they kind of both, you see the, the apprehension. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like they're both scared to deal with this moment. Um, and the daughters want to make their moms feel better. So Ashley says, you know, think about what you want for dinner and I'll order anything as long as it's delivery i'm not leaving you alone <laughs> hannah smiles and says okay as she leaves and hannah looks around her room and she goes and sits in a chair near her bed um on her nightstand well you can just a few photos of her and caleb you can just feel this like inner tor- turmoil you know as she looks around she's the, obviously not comfortable the familiar is no longer familiar to her um she, yeah then she kind of like glances over her shoulder a little bit and sees that some of the wallpaper is chipped uh, well, it's it's just it's peeling, yeah. Yeah, and she starts to kind of caress it, play with it a little bit, study it. Uh, I believe didn't Bobby Draper do something similar this season in Mad Men? Uh, that sounds familiar. Yeah, I feel like I've, I've, this this visual is familiar. Yeah, I think that might have been something Bobby was doing. Yeah. Uh, so it got to then. Well, I, I just have to say, like, I, I like number one that we have these. She's sitting near her nightstand, where there's these like happy photos of her and Caleb. I like that they put those there. Mm. as this contrast and then yeah it's like the this room is it's bringing up bad memories uh like even the the peeling wallpaper it almost is a reminder of like kind of like the artifice of it mm-hmm. um which can't be helping obviously uh it doesn't quite apply but i want to quote inception this dream is collapsing like this memory of this happy place this happy home is no longer a happy home Every sure. every happy home eventually becomes a haunted house. Let's put it that way. But mm-hmm. uh, so, cut to Arya's bedroom. Speaking of which, Ella's going through Arya's prescription as kind of Arya mulls around in the background. Um, Ella's like, there are a lot of these, and Arya's like, yeah, it's mostly antibiotics and supplements and something in case I feel anxious. Can't imagine why I'd need that. Ella like gives her a look, and Arya's like, <laughs> too early for sarcasm. And Ella says, not where I come from. And she sits beside Arya, and they hug, and Arya well, rests her head on her mom's shoulder. Arya's mood here, and I mean, she's. She's kind of being a little bit of a wry wit, but there's not a warm smile behind any of this, you know? No, like, the these girls are each, like, managing their own cold flame behind their eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arya is especially, in some regards, she's good old-fashioned Arya, especially, like, her tactics for dealing with these things. But, uh, yeah, I like this this tougher Arya. I really do. 
Yeah. Um, it's not just with, you know, like Ezra. It's with Ella, too. So Ella's like, I thought I'd stay a couple nights. And Arya nods her head and says, that would be good. Ella says, your father's dealing to police. He's talked to all the other parents. We've all agreed that no one has to, like, talk to police until you guys are ready. Also, Chad Lowe was probably busy, like, editing his episode. <laughs> well, this kind of makes Arya, like, lean back and look up. And she's like, I'm ready. I'll do it today. And Ella's like, no, you won't. And Arya's like, Mom, I want to make sure that Andrew doesn't get out. And Ella says, there's, there's time for that. And Arya's like, I, I don't want to wait. He's not going to hurt me or anybody else ever again. I will make sure of that. Because uh, she, Arya is like all about just like dealing with this shit now. Like we're yeah. we're just gonna move on. And Ella is just kind of full of like sad patience and understanding. She's like, "Why don't you come downstairs? Help me make some tea." And Arya's like, "Yeah, well, in a minute." And Ella says, "Okay." Well, she she knows she's being like placated and stepped around. Yeah, and Ella kind of pauses the door. Arya is like just staring off into abyss here. Um, and it's like Ella is like she doesn't know what to do, so she just leaves. Yeah. Uh, and then Arya, like, she kind of takes some breaths, goes out to her window. There's a lot of great shots of the liars going to their windows. And I think that's got to be, like, on a psychological level, they didn't have windows for, like, almost a month. And so just the ability to look out of their rooms and not see brick wall, it's got to be, like, really important to them right now. Well, they do the eventually, yeah, there's, like, a claustrophobia. But it's mm-hmm. interesting because, like, we get the shot. From Welcome to the Dollhouse, where she opened her closet door and found a Yeah, she starts there. flashing back, just like Hannah. Hashtag yeah. theory. But yeah, it's but it's not like Arya's going to go run over and open her closet door and feel better. She goes to the window, of course. Um, which would have been really fucked up if uh, like Shauna's evil fiddle started playing right there. Um, yeah. So anyway, similarly, we move to Spencer's bedroom. We see uh, Veronica opening the window. Yeah, yeah a lot of windows. window shot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where while well, Spencer's unpacking her shit, and Veronica's like. I spoke to my friend in the prosecutor's office. There's little chance of Mona being charged for faking her death and causing Allison's arrest. They just assume blame everything on the Campbell boy. Nice and tidy. Veronica seems annoyed by this. Like, why don't you lay off Mona, Mrs. Hastings? Well... You just take it easy. To to remind everyone, though, Veronica did have to go confront Mona in her home, in, a psychi- in her room in the psychiatric hospital, to let her know that some people might be afraid of you. People are also afraid of me. Mm. I'm Veronica Hastings, bitch. Look it up. And Mona's like, I'm Mona Vanderwall. That's all I need to say. Uh, so Spencer can't find one of her prescriptions, and she's like, something's wrong. They made a mistake at the hospital. They left out one of my prescriptions. They're supposed to give me an anti-anxiety medication to help me sleep. Veronica has to break it to her that I asked them not to. Spencer's Spencer. like, you asked them not to? Veronica says, Spencer, you know you've had some issues. And Spencer says, Mom, th- they gave me something at the hospital. And it's the first night in forever that I got what a normal person would call sleep. Normal Seriously, person. what the fuck, Veronica? Yeah. She's like, I got normal sleep for the first time in six years. Veronica's like, honey, you're home now. You're not in the hospital. She tries to take Spencer's hand. Spencer jerks it away like a large. She's like, I can't believe you did this. Veronica says, it wasn't an easy decision. And Spencer's like, okay, that makes me feel a lot better. I love that line. Spencer's like, I've had enough of this shit. Like, stop making decisions for me. Yeah. Uh, and it's really like, I don't know. Like, this seems ex- incredibly fucked up, in in my opinion. I mean, I, I oh, didn't... I understand where Veronica's coming from, though. Mm, I mean, but... I don't know about that. There's a big difference between amphetamines and anti-anxiety oh, medication. Without a doubt, without a doubt. But like, I'm wondering, is it possible with you getting prescriptions? Can you just be like, hey, can I get the placebo version of this, please? My kid's got a problem. Does she though? I don't think it's an, an unreasonable From, request for Spencer to need some help sleeping after all this. Oh, I agree. But and and also say this, not giving her the medicine she needs feels like something Charles would have done to her in the dollhouse. 
Oh, like that sort of withholding. But also withholding is something that Spencer's gotten pretty used to from the Hastings clan at large. Mm, I don't know. I, I don't like the way Veronica deals with her daughter's, uh, you know, pill issues. And I, I wouldn't even call this an issue. Like, it's not like Spencer is shown a predilection for, like, abusing anxiety meds or something. This is not the but, same thing. But I, I understand where Veronica's coming from only because I understand the, the parental trauma that she's dealt with with Spencer in the past. Is she overreacting? Without a doubt. Mm. But I understand why she's overreacting. All I'm saying is Peter wouldn't have done it. No, Peter, Peter would have hooked it up. <laughs> there would be Peter's something. like, let me give you my sleeping medication. It's just alcohol. <laughs> it's, it's Johnny Walker. Mm-hmm. Um, it's old Jameson. So, <laughs> so you know, Veronica's like, I'll help you in way you can, but I'm not going to take a chance if you're having another problem. So Spencer's just going to lay it all out right now. She's like, I need that prescription. And Veronica's like, no, you want it. There's a difference. And Spencer's like, that's semantics. And Veronica's like, that's the rule. I'm sorry if it sounds unfair, but I have to be firm on this side, and so do you. Spencer's like hearing of this. Just, and she's just destroying just like, wow, Spencer really a little bit home. more. Yeah, wow, I really am back home. Like, a new way to get betrayed by your family. That's what I mean. It's like, this is this is part of the course of the Hastings plan. Um, she turns her back, and Veronica, like, crosses her, like, arms over her chest and sighs. Like, nice last shot there as we see her, like, getting close up to the window, having a bit of sky and greenery and escape at hand. So, um, if you've gathered by now, the liars go home, and they all have their mothers at hand, not their fathers. I thought this was smart to have the girls with their moms. Um, All four of the moms. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's never you know, happened before. But also, I think this is interesting, too. It's 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 not just Spencer. All the liars have been through some trauma, which they're not sure how to deal with themselves. But there will be a slight bit of acting out about that. And as a caregiver, you, you want to be nurturing. I don't and, know like, if I would call it acting everything. out. But you also, like, you have to not give them everything. There has to be certain boundaries to get back into their life. I kind of disagree with that. I, I wouldn't call this acting out. I would call this. No, no, no. I don't think. I don't think reacting. It's Spencer necessarily, but like you'll see stuff of Hannah, where you know Ashley and Caleb have to have those looks. Like, what's happening here? Is this we're gonna we're gonna agree to disagree on that then? Um, but also, uh, I'm not the total expert in William Blake, but I think some of the themes here are in Blake's Cradle Songs from mm-hmm. Songs of Innocence. So we cut to Emily's house, where we see a new part of Emily's house in this episode: the attic. You're going to see a lot of new parts of Emily's house. Yeah, it's like kind of like right at the top of the stairs, like kind of an unfinished attic. She's like bringing her suitcase back up there, and there's like a, a trunk in there, and a garment bag, or well, a garment thing, and a giant well, gun safe. Music playing here, yeah. Uh, as, as this scene goes, this scene is a wonder, interestingly. We don't get these very often in PLL, but uh, it's all single shot, and there's no dialogue. It's just, you know, Emily doing shit. She goes over to this. It's like a garment rack that zips up. I mean, I don't know what these are. I'm not that fancy. But she opens it up and takes out one of her dad's army jackets. which And then she puts it on, which, like, it's May. You're in an attic. God, that's got to be hot. Uh, she checks herself out in the mirror, and jacket's a little too big. But, you know, she kind of pulls it around her, maybe feeling a little bit safer. And then she goes to the gun safe. Uh, a lot of people wondered if this would be a glimpse into Emily's future after the time jump. Uh, one of our listeners, Sarah, pointed out that there's a moment one of Joseph Doherty's Kindle World stories where Emily tries on her dad's uniform jacket and then has a intimate moment with Paige. There you go. I mean, I don't know. It, it could be a hint as to her future. Or I, I would not be shocked if we just see be... the, the seeds of their future lives maybe being born out of this whole storyline. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but she... 
you know, she goes to the gun safe. She kind of looks behind her and then tries a code. First time doesn't work, but she gets it on the second try and opens it up. There's a couple of long guns in here, service pistol, some ammo. Um, so, I mean, the, the obvious, you know, metaphor here, she's, she's going to cope by like protecting herself now. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's she going to do with that gun? And then we're going to cut to Spencer. It's nighttime. She's lying awake in bed. Can't sleep, obviously. Poor thing. She rolls over, closes her eyes, and as soon as she does, we start getting these flashes of her in the dollhouse in some sort of like weird, dank room. Maybe it's that morgue room. It's hard to tell. It um, seems too small. Yeah, I know. Some room where she's crying, and there, she, there's like a table in front of her with these like switches on it. And then, there, you know, it's all these flashes of like sirens. She's covering her ears, and she's got some strap with a wire like rigged up to her wrist. This is the week that the uh, Wikipedia article on the Milgram experiments got mm-hmm. the most hits ever. Yeah, from PLL fans. And you, you hear one of those noises like you hear from a camera flash when it charges, you know, it's like some electricity charging up. And the PA like, yeah, lady uh, on the dollhouse is counting. When they're about to do like your heart, restart your heart. Clear. Yeah. 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 PA lady's counting down five, four, three, two, one. It's like Spencer's being forced to do something and you can tell she doesn't want to do it. She's terrified and she has to pick something because on in front of her on the table there's pictures of the other three liars next to a switch so it's like three switches one for each of the liars uh, so, pictures of the liars from the previous morgue photo shoot mm-hmm. yeah and so she i said photo shoot <laughs> yeah she has to pick one she appears to pick Arya's switch as far as i could tell hmm. interestingly uh and then we hear like a distant scream presumably Arya like getting electrocuted or something Mm. Uh, obviously this is traumatic for Spencer to have to go through Christine Sparia. Mm-hmm. Um, then we go back into Spencer's bed. She kind of wakes up, rushes over to her door and she cracks it open with one of those like crazy, like white leather boots that she has. The ice skating Swedish murder ballerina boots. Mm-hmm. It's like she, she can't have a closed door now. She has to have it cracked open just, just to feel not claustrophobic. I imagine. Right. And she kind of scurries back into bed. Like, like she's like afraid of being caught doing that. And then she tries to fall asleep. And I really like this moment where she's, she closes her eyes again and the the score, there's like a kind of a a chord on the score and her eyes pop back open. And I kind of interpret that as being like every time she closes her eyes, she's flashing back. Yeah. That's, you know, another reason why she can't sleep. Every time she tries, she just either either the flashback or just fear, Mm -hmm. fear of like letting her guard down. Um, because, I mean, I feel like there's there's almost a sense of more protection in the hospital, possibly because you do have the the aid of, of anti-anxiety medicines and you're surrounded by people. But, you know, home, you're in, especially in your room that you were just in a facsimile of where you were basically tortured psychologically for a month. Mm-hmm. It's, it's got to be literally people's nightmare right next to being buried alive. Um, so after the commercial, it's the next day. We're in Switzer's kitchen. Allison's over. Spencer's getting some OJ out of the fridge, and Allison's grabbing some glasses. And Allison, I says, love it when they give them like physical things that do like this in a scene. Yeah, I don't know why. It's it's always fun to watch. Drink your sauce, Allison's. Uh, like Spencer, he says there's no such person as Charles Edrentis in our family. Spencer's had enough, so she's just like, Allie, I'm just gonna say this as delicate as I can. Your father's a liar. Yes. And Allie has this expression on her face, like, hmm, look at this bitch go. Yeah. yeah. And Allie's like, that was the delicate way. Uh, there, I got to say the acting stuff is fantastic. But Spencer, I love this. So she says, he didn't say, let me think or ask you where you heard that name or who asked you. He just shut you down. 
why. I love that Spencer is she she's has pouring a, the juice as she says it. She has an amazing like reasoning for it too. Mm-hmm. And Allison's like, I suppose you want to go to the police about this. And Spencer's like, No, not really. I don't want to walk into any more police stations with any more theories. Let the cops figure it out. And I thought to myself. You remember when the liars walked into a police station of Allison last season and she invented mm-hmm. the story about being kidnapped in a New York minute? <laughs> oh, you know, it's funny you bring that up. That whole invented kidnapping story, that's what actually happened to Sarah Harvey. It's yep. kind of wild. Yep. Uh, it's like, it's almost like she caused it to happen, you know, out of the ether her, in her imagination. But yeah, Spencer's learning now. She's like, fuck this. I'm, I'm not dealing with the cops anymore. I'm not dealing with theories. It's porn to Moj. Well, because Spencer. He, even back in season three, she's weary of like the mythos of Spencer Hayes. Mm-hmm. She's tired of this role. Yeah. Allie says, figure what out? That I'm somehow related to someone named Charles De Laurentiis, who is really Andrew Campbell? What do you think happened? The goblins snuck into the Campbell house and switched babies on them? Oh, Spencer's wow. like, we both know there are more conventional ways somebody can end up with more than two parents. That's how you and I got to share a brother. Cue Nolan North and some of that Johnny Walker Black. Yeah. And Allie kind of warily appraises this truth and turns away it's interesting like ali it's it's like she's still trying to figure out how to deal with spencer who like is completely independent from her now you know she's she she never really got used to it and then there were enemies and then she was in jail and so now now she you know they still aren't quite to the whatever new place they need to be where they don't get on each other's nerves well you know? for the longest time once she was you know alive again the four liars basically combined to make Captain Planet, which was Allison. Mm-hmm. Now that that connection has been severed, like she's she's going to be rudderless um, to to a certain extent. She's not the girl who has to run and hide and have a lie anymore. Yeah, and so then um, they're both just kind of stewing for a moment, but then they I think they both reflect a little, and Spencer reins herself in. She's like, "Thank you for getting us out of that place," and slides some juice over to Allie, and Allie's like, "You'd have done the same for me." Spencer's like, nope. Spencer's face is saying, debatable. Maybe. I right. wanted her to do the uh, the the Peter Hastings thing where she just kind of like, like smirks and then drinks her juice. Yeah, drinks her milk. Yeah, no answer. Um, so at the brew, Arya's like by herself on the couch in the liar's nook. Uh, she's okay. feeling. I, I have so many comments about just the visual of Arya here. She has a, a red and black camera. Mm-hmm. It's like a DSLR camera. I don't know what model this is supposed to be, but like, how how does Arya manage to have like an A color, you know, camera here? That's a good question. Like, where? Uh, like, did she send this to like one of those like colorware places that like, you know, you can like send your like you know computer there and they, they make it gold chrome or something? Like, what? Where did she get this thing? She probably got it from Melanie Mayron. She's like, I only take photos with a camera that's in my personal color scheme. Mm-hmm. She also, scene, which is red, black, and white. Yeah. What What did you think of her outfit here? She's got a like a white knit sweater with like weird gold filigree holding the sleeves together. This is the the most normal of her outfits in this episode. Uh, also, she looks adorable. I was trying to come up with some kind of idea of like, does Arya wear white when she wants to look especially? I hesitate to use the word pure, but kind of like like a good girl, I guess. Because she also wore white when she met Ezra's mom. Um, I didn't have enough time to like look up too many other outfits, but I feel like white is a color she wears when she wants to kind of be, you know, kind of proper and, and studious. Hmm. I don't know. That could come to nothing, but golden white. That would be an interesting, like a color 
dictionary for Arya's fashion would be fascinating mm-hmm. because it's not just about is this naughty Arya? Is this like good girl Arya? You also have the like where is she in the like maturity spectrum? Is she teenage girl Arya or is mm-hmm. she like mm-hmm. like woman in a mature relationship Arya uh, who's very uh, sophisticated? Is that the word that she uses for the sophisticated? dress? To to meet Ezra's mom at the at the gallery, I think so. Yeah, she needs to be sophisticated. Um, so yeah, she's spending around with shit, dealing with her camera and her camera bag, and of course Ezra decides to interrupt. Do she fucking Ezra? Well, Ezra it's, does the move where like like he didn't notice it was Arya and thought it was just some random customer. But also, by the way, I just noticed she has a gold purse that fits. He doesn't even have like I want him to have like the old like like I remember waitresses way back in the day back before you had like fancy fruit fruit coffees they would walk around with a fucking coffee pot you mm-hmm. know what I mean you need to fill up you need to fill up he's like do you need a warm up or oh sorry like oh I didn't realize it was you Arya sitting in your nook or that like, I was ruining your moment of peace that I've been watching you from like the cash register for the last ten minutes hiding behind the plan over there and Arya sighs and she's like no no it's it's fine I'm just um coffee's great. Um, this is a, another like great like showcase for for Lucy. This scene here, he hovers and, awkwardly. And he's like, okay, and he turns to leave. And Arya's like, um, maybe some company. And he doesn't even hes- hesitate. He just boom, right? He totally sits down. He wants this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's this great way that Lucy's like, she's kind of playing the awkwardness around everything she does. It's like she's aware that she's sort of under a microscope right now and trying to ignore it and play to it at the same time. Uh, just everything about like there's so much like non-verbal happening in the performances here it's really fun to watch well like you might have saw on twitter that like norbert pointed out this scene when the preview like mm-hmm. scene was released but like he's got a point that this is to me it's like a completely different kind of ezria scene it's like well, it's they, not even they were broken up you know they like it's they, not even like their 5a scenes yeah there's a different kind of filter on it like it, it's like she to me, she felt like she's completely out from under his thumb mm-hmm. for the first time ever here. I adored it. But I love that he has to sit to come down to her level. Yeah. Which is short. She says, did I remember to thank you for saving my life? And it's like, really, it was mostly Alia, Arya. Like, Ezra's just a wheelman. And Ezra's like, you did, verbally, but not, you know, orally or physically. What the fuck, Ezra? Uh, and he says, I'm still waiting for that thank you card in the mail, though. Holden yeah. would write a, uh, a letter. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's true. And the first paragraph would just be apologies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Ari's like, yeah, well, I'm still just looking for the right one. Something with kittens on it. Because you're a great big pussy, Ezra. Mm-hmm. And then she drinks her coffee and like, Lucy's so good that I actually believe there's coffee in that cup. Is this the first time you believe that? I think so, yeah. And that's some, some wonderful prop acting there. It actually looked like it had some weight to it. Mm-hmm. I'm serious. I noticed that while watching. I was like, wow. I actually thought that was a real coffee cup. Well done. Ezra kind of pretends to laugh and she drinks and watches him and he says, I was only in that place for a few minutes. You were there a lot longer. No shit. Uh, he says, so this may seem like an overly simplistic question, but are you all right? Uh, she nods. Man, what a terrible question. Ugh. Like, ask her any other question than that. That just seems so, like, self-serving. So Maybe, know, like, do you need anything? I don't know. We hold on Arya for a moment for Shannon. She's like, I-, I will be. And he's like, well, just remember to check in with yourself. Ugh. And mm. he's like, you have an advantage over most people because you can write about it. You can put it down on paper. She's like, I won't be doing that. And he's like, oh, oh just, no, no. Just, like, the 
whip reaction she has, you know, yeah. to that. She Lucy Howe's fantastic. She, With a, she, like a great flip of her hair too. He's like, oh no no, I I didn't mean for public consumption. A journal just for yourself. And she's like, I just said I don't want to do that. I don't want to own it. I don't want to memorialize it. I don't want to think about it being in a diary somewhere in my room. I want a nice big wall between before and after. Oh and yeah. Then she starts loading her camera, and I love that she's loading her camera, and then we cut immediately to a gun range. Yeah, because Arya she doesn't she doesn't even want to participate in any sort of recovery. She just it's like keep moving forward you know we're gonna run away from that as fast as we can well she'll comment upon it later in this episode but it's like her usual motif is writing but that's not what she's investing her her creative energies into this episode it's it's pictures mm-hmm. yeah and then we're gonna cut to emily at a firing range shooting a pistol um it seems like she's a pretty good shot although that target is like 20 feet away maybe so i don't know i mean there's there's a lot of like you know dead center shots or some shots I, I know nothing about guns to say whether or not this is impressive uh, but she does impressive. hit a bullseye yeah, yeah. Uh, i mean if it was this me, is a, a set that we saw remember, remember when they showed us this set when we did the little tour that's right and we were like what the fuck is this well no i think as soon as they showed it to us we we're like oh oh yeah that makes sense you know yeah, like, that's true that's true well because wasn't there something where um much think, like the dancing there was like a Shay Mitchell thing on social media where she was Shay Mitchell had like Instagrammed like going to like I think a real gun range. Okay. And but I think it was all just to do this. Um cuz I remember thinking it was like that's a weird hobby for her to take up, but yeah, I think I think it cuz she actually did do this like, you know, I, I assume that's like firing blanks or something, but no, she's firing live rounds. Yes. <laughs> the crew is just ducking. There it's you go. It's incredibly deadly day in the set. I I mean I assume those are blanks. I don't know. I don't know how they do scenes like these. So she empties a cliff and just loads another and just blasting away. She's letting that lead fly. You know I don't want to go into a whole like Brandon Lee thing, but I believe that's how it works for for movies and film. It's it's uh, it's blanks. I I'm sure that yeah I can't imagine a, a reason for them to ever fire like a real weapon or a, a real bullet I should say. Yeah. It's just asking for trouble. But I mean, I love that there's always somebody in the film industry called like the gun master. <laughs> yeah, so we go to Hannah's room. Caleb's here. We can see the, the wallpaper is kind of, it's starting to just be torn off in these little like strips and clumps on the walls. You know, it's like all just a very, it's a mess. Mm-hmm. Caleb's like, I thought you liked this wallpaper. <laughs> and Hannah's like, uh, I did, but now I don't. <laughs> Killing it. Oh, I love your Caleb voice. He's mm-hmm. just like, Hannah, swear to me. Well, the Caleb voice and the Batman voice are, are pretty close, I think. Yeah. Are you hey, saying Are you saying Tyler Blackburn for Batman? Like a young Batman, I guess. I don't know. I mean, don't Don't get me started on whatever <laughs> Warner Brothers is doing with their comic book properties. We rant for hours. Uh, Hannah's going through a box on her bed. Like all, she's got a bunch of shit piled up on her bed. We can see that her walls are just trash. There's like little wallpaper strips on the floor this box has some sort of like i don't know tool or like you know it's a steamer i guess yeah Um, i I don't know these things and anyway caleb says okay well we'll take off the wallpaper did you figure out what you might want instead and hannah's it's getting a little annoyed she's like i'll pick something out later i just want all this gone and he's like you'll pick something later and Hannah's like, what is wrong with you? Which I gotta say, I'm really feeling Hannah in these scenes. Like, it's like, Caleb, just shut up and help. Yeah. You know, like, stop, stop kneeling her at these little, like, 20 questions. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Hannah, 
watch you spend 30 minutes sorting fabric swatches. Uh, and Hannah gives him this look like, and, you know? Yeah, and he's yeah like, that's literally what my notes say. And? Yeah. <laughs> Don't you at least want to... I, I can't even do the voice right now. Don't you at least want to <laughs> look at some paint chips and see what you might want? And she's like, no. And she goes back to her steamer tool, and he's just watching her, and finally he comes over and puts an arm around her, and he's like, hey, are you okay? Which, I know he's trying to be nice and all, but, like, you can tell this shit's bothering her. Like, I don't know. It's This episode, it's it's about the liars coping. It's about the their boyfriends and their, you know, significant others and mothers and whatnot, and their inability to really help, because sometimes there is nothing you can really do to help. Well, I think... I mean, I'm no expert. Sometimes you need to give a person space. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you need to just be there. Some problems have to be worked out on one's own. Like it's you can't you can't just there's not like a just you a don't have the solution yeah. for somebody else's trauma necessarily. But the fact that you could be there when needed could mean everything. Um, maybe don't push upon them like uh, you were down there a lot longer. So write about it. Yeah. Well, and also. You know, Hannah, she's always had the kind of identity issues with the four liars. Mm-hmm. She just recently rebuilt our identity, and her room is a reflection of that identity. And now her room is ruined. She's, you know, stripping the walls. And Caleb's just like, well, what are you going to do instead? And she's just like, I can't even think about that right now. You know, like, she Ooh. she just needs to get rid of this one. Like, you can't, like, make her make that choice just yet. Well, I mean, if you, if you will buy the concept that Charles has a room, that is the physical embodiment of his soul. Mm-hmm. You will buy that each of the liars have a room that is the physical embodiment of their identities, their very persona. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's like, you know, this is the show that talked about how Allison and her near doppelganger Cece were trading personalities back and forth. Mm-hmm. Like so Han- tops. Yeah. Hannah says, I just want to change my room and I want to change it now. Not just the wallpaper, everything. And Caleb's just like, Hannah, when you're in that silo, your room down there, and Hannah's By like, that way, was... Apparently, it was an old abandoned missile silo. Yeah, we'll get that's that later. Awesome. That sounds pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, Hannah says, that was not my room. This is my room. Are you going to help me or not? And he's like, I'll do anything you want. She says, and help me with the steamer. And she walks away, pretty annoyed, leaves him to set up the steamer. Um, I mean, it, it seems pretty obvious that this room is like, it's it's tarnished now, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, she's, she's, she's got to tear it all down and start over again. Yeah, yeah. And I mean... I completely understand this impulse. You could make the argument that maybe it's not a good idea to destroy everything in your room and completely start over, but you could definitely understand why a person would want to go there. Um, so outside the police station, Caleb and Officer Lorenzo are walking from their car to their precinct. This is normal cops, co-workers. Team Caleb's cops. like wearing some aviators. Or not Caleb, Toby's wearing some aviators too. Some fucking like Top Gun aviators there. Yeah. Let's be cops. Cop, cop thrown down. Lorenzo's checking his phone. He says, hey, congratulate me. I'm a renter. I don't know if that's really a congratulatory moment, but sure. And Toby's like, ah, you got the apartment? Toby. I'm sorry, ah, you got the ad apartment. This is normal exposition and background. Yeah. Lorenzo says, no more sleeping on Mrs. Granville's couch. Nice civic-minded lady, but those Hummel figurines were start- star- star- kept staring at me. So they laugh, and then we see Allie's walking up behind him. And Allie's like, Toby? And he looks back, and his smile fades. And this whole exchange is so incredibly bizarre. I don't even know what's going on. Toby goes from like this like genial TJ Hooker mm-hmm. like cop to like standoffish prick. Yeah. And she's like, like, Toby, I just saw you. I just wanted to check in. We haven't spoken since the other night. He's like, been busy. He's like sneering at her. Yeah. Like what what is going on here? You think he's pissed at her? 
I took this relationship, this conversation to be he's being slightly antagonistical to her. Well, I, I guess thinly the, veiled antagonistical. I guess the way I read it, it was like maybe he's uncomfortable having this conversation with his partner around. I don't I don't know. I feel like we're we're missing a I, piece of this puzzle here as to why Toby's oh, acting so strange. There's definitely missing a piece of the puzzle. To me, like if he was just not wanting to like talk now like he's mm-hmm. facing her but he doesn't even give her like his full body language well they they just stare at each other until like lorenzo is obviously feeling super awkward yeah and finally he's like hello and he's like hi and she kind of like glances at him like you know only only a single fuck to give to you right now sorry yeah uh, toby's like uh allison aren't i uh allison this is my new partner lorenzo calderon what an awesome name lorenzo this is allison de Laurentis. and she's like Lorenzo Calderon, do you do porn? Yeah. Lorenzo's like, pleasure. Uh, which somehow you get the feeling that Lorenzo and everyone else in the country probably knows Allie on site right now. Uh, uh, he's like, do I have a TV? <laughs> yeah. So they shake hands and Allie just, she's like kind of just studying Lorenzo, kind of like taking his measure. And she's like, so are you new in town? And he says, newish. And Toby's like, Lorenzo is part of Rosewood PD's fresh perspective. What the what fuck the does f- that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? Yeah, I was just like, what's going on here? What does that mean? I, I'm interpreting like all of the most negative connotations. Seriously. And Lorenzo's like, that's me. And Allie kind of smiles at him and then just like looks back at Toby and she says, I spoke to Spencer this morning and Toby's like, good. <laughs> and he, he just keeps nodding. Like, what is going on, Toby? Just like he's nodding and nodding well, and nodding. But see, like, poor Allison here. You know, much like the liars, but in a different way, she just wants to be a fucking person in this grave new world. And Toby is determined to make her feel like an outsider. Allie's like, yeah, she seems okay, you know, physically. And Toby's like, they went through a lot. And he just sees nodding and nodding. And Allie just has this very clear-eyed, like, unblinking stare at him. And she's like, we all did. Well, because she's not going to have her own drama taken away by Toby. Yeah, and then Toby, like, stares at her and he's like, how are you doing? And even Lorenzo is like he's noticed like shit is getting mad awkward right now, you know. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you really notice how much she looks like a young Jessica. Like, and I think the hair helps. Like, she kind of has Jessica's hair as well now, you know. I think. Uh, what did somebody on Twitter say? They dress her like she's the first lady. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and uh, what does she say? Finally, she says, "I'm glad it's over." And Toby's like, "Me too." And he's just sneering at her again. And Allison's face is basically like, fuck me for trying. She looks over. She's she's like, we're done here, you dildo. Yeah. Looks over to a new guy and says, it was nice to meet you, Lorenzo. And he's like, it was great meeting you. But she kind of rocks back and says, like, see you later. She takes off. And Lorenzo's just like, so that was the famous Allison Laurentis. And Toby's like, that is her. Yeah. I feel like we. Lorenzo Calderon's name. It's Travis something because I wanted to keep Travis Winfrey. I kept writing Travis in my notes. It took me a while to call him Lorenzo. See, the uh, guy, the actor is very, I felt like he's very likable in the role. But like, mm-hmm. I feel like you you like Lorenzo even more just because he has to witness this fucking scene. Well, just put him next to Toby and you're like, hey, it doesn't seem so bad. Well, also, Toby, you know, our, our, our hero of the Spooby. We have a t-shirt of him and everything. Like, Why did he think Spooby? Because that's what uh, yeah, you know, yeah, I was know. saying. Spooby or Spubby. I like Spubby better. But like uh, uh, he, like Dorenzo has to come and be the good cop there. Like Toby like, would have gone off book on his I, uh, apprehension. I feel like we were missing a line at the end of that after, you know, they're like, well, that's her. And Lorenzo's like, I feel like somebody just walked over my grave. 
until he's like, are you cold? I can get you a windbreaker. No, what the, the line that they had to cut was Toby's like, all right, time to hit the showers. Yeah, then we go to the Marin house. Caleb is helping Hannah move a mattress down the stairs into the foyer, and they set it down just as Ashley walks in. She sees it. She's a little puzzled. She's like, hello. And Caleb's like, uh, hi. And Hannah says, Mom, I wanted to make a change. She's kind of tired of all this stuff. And Ashley's like, I get that. And she constant like kind of glances to Caleb, like concerned looks to Caleb. I chatter. Yeah. And Hannah says, so we can either sell it or give it away. And Ashley kind of nods and then looks over at Caleb again. She says, I understand, but it's, you know, too late to have a yard sale tonight. Why don't you get a good night's sleep and we can talk about this in the morning. And Caleb says, uh, the bed's already kind of in the hall, actually. And there's just more awkward glances between them. And I got to wonder, like, is a sleepover at Caleb's out of the question here? I mean, come on, you know Hannah stayed over there before. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Like, I don't know. I, I kind of wonder. I, I guess that just for the purposes of this episode, Hannah's going to stay with her mom. And she's like, were you planning on, were, you know, where, where, what were you planning to sleep on tonight, honey? Hannah says, I don't know, the floor. And she says, well, you're not going to do that. You can sleep with me. But the furniture, we can. And Hannah's like, no, I can't look at it anymore. It's ruined. And then another significant glance from Ashley to Caleb again. And it's, you can, you know, they're trying to be supportive, but like this eye chatter is condescending. And Hannah's getting a little sick oh, of yeah. it. She yeah. says, don't look at him. Look at me. And Ashley's like, how is it ruined? And Hannah says, I just want to make a change, okay? I want to get rid of some old furniture. And Ashley can't help looking at Caleb again. And Hannah says, I said, don't look at him. Why do you keep looking back and forth? Why can't I just have something I want? Does that make me crazy? And she storms off and slams the door to the patio. And Caleb and Ashley just kind of, you know, what are they going to do? They're kind of helpless here. Remember, he made her a promise when Hannah was gone. Yeah. We didn't really I promise to get her that. back. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Emily's house, we're in the attic-ish room with the uh, the gun safe. She's carefully putting the guns back, closing the safe door, and then she kind of senses that Pam's right there behind her. And Pam's like, "Did you have a good time of Hannah?" And Emily kind of sighs because she's busted, and Pam's disappointed. And she's like, "Yeah, that was Jimmy from the gun range on the phone. He called to tell me how happy he was to see you again. He remembered you were going there with your dad." And watching him teach you the right way to do things. And Emily's like... Well, so Jimmy from the gun range is a fucking narc. Yeah, yeah. A little gossipy, Jimmy. First of all, you're a gun nut. Like, aren't you guys all about, like, keeping your shit locked down? You would think. I mean, aren't you already worried about the NSA being on your phones? Isn't that why you are a gun nut? Yeah, they only just crosses her arm. She's stewing. She's, you can just, like, feel, like, seething anger, like, under the surface. Well, because the... the What's being implied there is very outrageous to Emily. And she's like, he did teach me the right way. He'd understand why I was there. And Pam's just like, where did you find the combination? And Emily's like, I didn't find it. I figured it out. And Pam's like, well, I promise you, you're not going to figure out the next one. So she starts walking with a gun safe. And Emily's like, I've used dad's guns before. Well, I like the way Emily kind of steps in front of her. It's this very kind of subtle physical confrontation. Yeah, yeah. Well, she's like, like, I've used that as a gun before, and Pam's like, never alone, Emily. It's not a rule in this house. It's the law. You knew that, yet you snuck up here to just... And I was like, you can't sneak in your own house. And Pam's like, it's not a debate. Lockers off limits, you understand. 
Emily like does not like hearing this, and and Pam's like, Emily, do you understand? And Emily's like, Yes, ma'am. Oh, I think like, Emily starts to walk past Emily's, her. Emily, she's very obstinate. It's very Ali esque in a way. Mm-hmm. Kind of like frustration with the rules. Yeah. Well, this is. It feels like similar. I mean, like not similar like problems that the Fields family has had, but it's like I still believe these are the same characters. This mm-hmm. feels like something that the same characters do in the situation based on. The, the argument that the entire family had during the whole like family services thing in yeah. season four. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an authoritarian household in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. I mean, first of all, she didn't say this is the rule. This is the law of the mm-hmm. field's home. Um, and so I think she know, means like the literal law, like you know. Oh yeah, yeah. taking still, guns. I think I think also it's the law of the house too. Mm-hmm. But uh, Pam's like, I mean, the last thing I want to do is fight with you. If you want to talk about what happened, I'm just like, not now. Pam's like, if you want to talk to somebody else, they gave me names of doctors at the hospital, and it's just like, I'm really tired. Well, you know, it's it's funny how when we were interviewing Troy, and she talked about how like drunk Emily is angry, and kind of see, kind of you know their their other sides, and they're drunk. We're definitely getting just this like ocean of rage underneath the surface of Emily right now. Like, oh she's, yeah, there's, she's there's not she's she's trying to keep it in check, but you can tell she's furious. There's a there's a there's an evil not evil uh, there's a there's a darkness like an mm-hmm. outraged darkness that come out of Emily especially when she's really hurt yeah I mean pa- flashback to the start of season three yeah yeah Pam says maybe you should call Paige and and let her know what happened let her know you're okay Emily says I did talk to her she said she wanted to come back I told her not to I told her I was all right and she shouldn't have come home she shouldn't have to come home not for me. And Pamela's just like, yeah. Emily says, Paige did the right thing, leaving town. I won't drag her back into this. She deserves to be happy. And Pam says, so do you. And Emily gives, like, the most, like, bitter, fucked up look. Like, it's this look that's, like, too late for that. And she just, like, walks off. Like, yeah. just this really just awful, broken look. Yeah, she's going to go off and come back, man. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, for people who, who are wondering, like, why isn't Paige been back here in a heartbeat? Well, this is exactly why. Yeah, then probably actor availability. Right, right, right. So yeah. poor Pam just kind of stares back at that that gun safe. Um, so I say like uh, right before they filmed this, I had the privilege to meet uh, uh, Nia Peoples. Um, she was at a concert for her son who was performing not far from where we live. Um, Nia Peoples looks so much younger in person. I'm sure she's a lot like, of that's makeup. Yeah, she's an incredibly charming, nice person. But I was just like. I was looking around because I knew she was going to be there. And I like looked past this, what I thought from the distance, like this teenage girl to like, I'm like where is she? Oh, look, that must be her daughter. Oh no, that was Nia Peoples herself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so after the commercial, we're in Hannah's bedroom the next day. We see Hannah like sitting on the floor of her room. There's her mirror in the background, which I think is going to yeah. be interesting and come into play next, next week's episode. Walls are almost totally stripped now. It's just kind of an ugly gray underneath. She's um, wearing a black t-shirt with the moon on it. So, you know, moon. Good night, moon, and the old in- red balloon. Interesting shot. We see it's a low angle. We see Hannah's ceiling here. I'm not sure if we've ever seen her ceiling before. Yeah, so she's Great. considering that most of these rooms don't tend to have ceilings. Mm-hmm. Oh, very Orson Welles. And yeah. uh, Ashley says, "Hey, Rumi, you forgot to make the bed." And Hannah's like, "I will." And she's on the floor, and, and Ashley's standing. Hannah's like just kind of this glum face, you know. Uh, and it's you can tell Ashley like she's trying to smile that she has like no idea what to do with any of this. Right. Um, you know they never followed up on the whole hospitalization thing either. I wonder if they will. Like wasn't Ashley in the hospital? Yeah, yeah. So it's, 
that kind of in our minds, like Hannah said, is this a fake newspaper? Mm-hmm. And Ashley says, a nice blank canvas here. Any idea what you want to do with it? Basically, like, who are you right now, Hannah? It's kind of the subtext there. Why haven't you decided yet? And Hannah's like, not yet. I just want to get rid of everything that was here. Yeah. Ashley says, well, maybe you can get together with Arya and Spencer and Emily, go shopping together for some new things. Maybe your friends can pick out your identity for you, Hannah. Well, and I thought to myself, like, I talked about how it's... It's the first episode where they really handled this particular kind of thing on its own. You know, there's very little, very little with like the A mystery, any of that stuff in this episode. Mm-hmm. But there's been shades of this before, like the whole return from New York. But even back in the pilot, when Arya came back to town and Ella's just like, you should go talk to your friends. You have a common thing and, you know, a thing in common, which is that dead girl or missing girl. Um, yeah. Hannah doesn't want to do that. And Ashley says, they're your friends. And it says, doesn't mean I have to see them every second of every day. And she kind of seems a little regretful after she says this. And we just kind of, again, wonder exactly what the hell happened with Hannah in the dollhouse. Mm-hmm. And her mom crouches down next to Hannah. And we get this kind of great shot. To me, I, I know that uh, Norman Buckley talks a lot about being inspired by Antonioni for this particular episode. This shot, to me, seemed... Well, there's like one other shot. But this one especially seemed very much in that vein they're kind of framed just in the lower left corner just a bunch of empty space walls behind them as they're crouched down and very you know it's externalizing like how hannah's feeling right now with these stripped walls and well she's tiny. Yeah, she's tiny and significant but also like in the womb of her own suffering and blank canvas i mean like ashley benson has uh, like an interesting touch of like the the monica vitti kind of mm-hmm. thing um, Marco Vitti was like an actress. The, the reason she works so well for me in the Antonio movies is that, you know, a great writer can, can write an actress like a great line of dialogue. Like Monica Vitti could do stuff just with her presence that would give you like paragraphs of what was going on. Um, but yeah, you can like, you can feel Hannah like struggling to pull herself out of that box in her mind, that dollhouse. But well, you know what I really like about the shot too is the uh, through the door you can just see this like kind of bare mattress. There's something about yeah. that that just it's so kind of depressing mm-hmm. and like stripped down. Uh, and Ashley says, "In that place where you were," and Hannah just kind of whispers, "She's like, I don't want to talk about it." Um, but Ashley's not going to let her go too easy this time. She says, "Caleb said you were in a room," and Hannah's like, "That was not my room. This is my room." And Ashley's like, what happened to you in that room? And it's very ominous music on the scores. Hannah, and she looks at her mom, looks away, and she's like, nothing. And she says, Hannah, please. And Hannah says, he just played games with us. And she says, what kind of games? And Hannah says, truth or dare? Who do you love more, me or her? Who deserves water today, you or somebody else? You decide or you lose your turn, somebody else gets to pick. Lots and lots of games. So, I mean, basically... A was just doing like fucked up psychological torture games with them and like kind of making them choose which of each other to hurt. Also, I believe in this, I believe it was this scene, I could be mistaken on social media, that uh, Norman Buckley and Justin Doherty were kind of like going back and forth oh, what the, the reference that they thought this was. I want to say Joseph Doherty thought it was like Passion of Joan of Arc. Mm-hmm. I could be mistaken. I can't remember what the other one was. They had kind of like a, like a friendly debate over which which like reference they were evoking here. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so Ashley kind of accepts that that's what she's going to get for now. She just kind of sits beside Hannah and she's just like, this is your room. Anything you want, baby. You want beanbag chairs, Danish modern, you want 
Dayglow wicker, you can have it. And Hannah kind of like finally gets closer and like rests her head on Ashley's shoulder. Um, first of all, Dayglow wicker sounds awesome. That sounds hideous. Yeah, I know. Or like just like some kind wicker of wicker in general, like, not a fan. Some kind of like crazy like rattan furniture or something. Uh. <laughs> so at the police station, we're in one of the meeting rooms. This this set we did see, I remember. Yeah, this is um Bonnie Root is the actress. I think the character's name might be Claire. It's not really clear. I think this is maybe like supposed to be like DA or like the ADA. I took her not to... a cop is is how I took it. I guess. Yeah, I took her to be a lawyer. I, mm-hmm. I was thought to myself, does like does Douglas Sirk want nothing to do with these fucking girls anymore? Maybe he got fired for convicting an innocent person of murder. I don't know. Would yeah. that happen in Rosewood, their criminal justice system? Well, probably got promoted. He's probably a judge now. In less than six months' time, he's the new DA. Like, mm, like what true. happened to Marsha Clark? Yeah, it is true. So, uh, anyways, this ADA, I don't know. Um, she but says, this, this meeting room is basically like the, the prison meeting room set from last season. Well, it's, it's a cop it's in interview room. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she says there's circumstantial evidence against Andrew, so much that we're having a hard time getting through it. We have a paper trail connecting him to the missile silo where you were held and the construction work that was done there. We always wanted a missile silo. So Ella, asking on behalf of the audience, says, <laughs> how could a high school boy afford all of that? And uh, Bonnie Root here says, one of the things we'd like to know, and so would the IRS. Nice lampshade. Yeah. Uh, and Arya says, but you can prove he's guilty. And DA says, well, we're on our way to proving that. This pleases her ladyship here. She says, I'll do anything to help. And DA says, at any point in time, you were held hostage. Did you actually see Andrew Campbell? And Ari says, yeah, we saw him, but he was masked. And DA says, then you didn't see him. And Ari's like, it was Andrew. She's like immediately getting flustered and like looking at her mom. She's worried. She says, he told me how much he hated Mona. He was always around when something happened. When my brother was attacked, I mean, it was Andrew that was in my house pretending he could help us so he could watch us. And DA's like, all that may be true. And Ari's like, it is true. And now that Ella is just like, you know, worry glances between her and the DA now. And she says, DA says, we're exploring Andrew's motives, tracking a timeline that goes back years, looking for confirmations and discrepancies. But what we don't have is a direct testimony that someone saw Andrew Campbell at the scene of the crime. Other than Toby arresting him, I guess. I don't know. Uh, ultimately, that could decide if he walks away or pays for what he's done. And now you just see the wheels turn in Arya's head now. Well, so she pauses for a moment. And for a moment, I mean a fraction of a second. You get Arya's classic poker tell, mm-hmm. the eye narrow. Well, this cop, terrible, or DA or whatever. Like totally, you're you're basically leading Arya to provide false witness here. You know, I I you're like no, we I've really seen... need somebody to say they saw him. I no, I didn't take it that way. I didn't take it that she was walking down Arya that path because I think she's very regretful of where Arya goes here. I I don't think she is intentionally doing it, but that is the effect that she's having by yeah, what she's, she's definitely saying. Having that effect. Oh, but I will say that the actress is amazing. I think in the scene. Um. So Ari does her eye narrow, and then she does what she always does. She's like, I did see him once. I saw his face. And Ella kind of stares over to Arya like, oh, shit, she's lying. And the lawyer, of course, picks up on it. And the lawyer's like, where? And Arya's like, when I was down there, I um, I saw him without his mask. And the lawyer's like, you just said he was always masked. And Arya's <laughs> like, that was a mistake, but I remember now. I, I, I saw him. It was Andrew. 
And there's like this amazing. Poor Ella just simple, looks sad. This amazing simple gesture by Holly Marie Combs. She just has to like close her eyes, like the the weight of all mm-hmm. this on her again. Uh, she's been down this particular road of Ari many times. Like, remember when Ellen Ari had to meet Principal Hackett about Ezra? Mm-hmm. Uh, so the lawyer's like, was anyone else with you when you saw his face? And Ari's like, no, I was alone. And you can tell Ari's sensing that the DA isn't buying it. She's like, I saw him. That, that's what you want to know. That's what you need, right? I'm telling you, I saw his face. It was Andrew Campbell. And then DA just kind of nods, looks at Ella, and closes the case file. And she says, I want to thank you both for coming in today. It's been very helpful. Well, it's like another person's gonna just gonna sidestep Arya in this. this yeah, well, and Arya tries to smile. I think she knows she fucked up, and yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of hard not to read this scene as kind of an allegory for dealing with police who are unconvinced, basically. Yeah. Uh, well, and with Arya's own personal background, it's not just that she's fucked up; it's that the adults have seen her fuck up. Mm-hmm. So we uh, go to uh, Toby and Spencer. They're out having a picnic in a wooded area somewhere maybe this is like whatever overlooks the town area oh could be yeah that'd be yeah. interesting it'd be fitting for them they got a blanket they got a picnic basket and like a giant thermos mm-hmm. i don't know what's in that thing and they're just kind of staring off into space until he says well they're building that case against andrew no you know he says i'm helping build the case mm-hmm. against andrew and so she's like how's that going she can't even pretend to be passionate about this shit it's looking pretty strong and she kind of raises an eyebrow, and she's like, "Pretty strong. What happened to we're gonna get the son of a bitch?" And he's like, "That is been... my that that is my favorite line that Spencer has said to Toby ever." And Toby's like, "It's been downgraded to pretty strong, babe." <laughs> and Spencer's like, "The manifesto, the van, the electronics at the farm." And he says, "I've been thinking about all that." Hold on, hold on. That is the funniest thing ever. Since the drummer walked into the band and said, "Hey, you guys want to hear my brand new song?" Yeah. Toby's like. I've been thinking about the mystery. That was your first mistake, Toby. He says, why hold on to the van, you know, and why ditch it? And why keep it so close to where you're hiding? And why hide it someplace that you could be linked to? Spencer's like, well, A is for arrogance. She stands up and gets the things to take back to Toby's truck. And Toby's like, when I caught Andrew, I wanted to take him apart because of what he did to you. And she kind of hesitates for turning around to face him it's, you can tell like his uh his like displays of machismo here not really what she's looking for well but it's again it's another liar who has to go through the motions listening to somebody else talk about their feelings mm-hmm. in regard to what happened to her yeah and he's like all i could think about was you in that place and i realized that i don't know what happened i was there i saw it but never really talked about what happened why she kind of looks away like everybody wants to fucking know what happened, you know, and the liars are not too eager to talk about it. Well, because talking about it is reliving it. Mm-hmm. So meanwhile, the gun range. Emily mm-hmm. is just blasting away in her gun. And while she's doing it, she has a dollhouse flashback. Well, just uh, there's a lot of like crazy cuts between the dollhouse and then her firing a pistol. And Oh, it's, it's, a, yeah. it's a great means for like, uh, like doing some editorial, some, some fancy stuff there. Uh, we get the alarm blaring. She's wearing her Rosa Sharks jumpsuit, clutching her ears, and the alarm is gone. She's in that same room where Spencer was in the flashback. We see those buttons with the pictures of the liars in the desk in front of her. Uh, each button has a picture of the, the liars from the morgue photo shoot. And we hear the woman last speaker, choose one or all will suffer. And Emily's like, no, and she's crying. And every time it's like the, the gun fires, we will cut back to one of the girls. And it felt like they lingered on Hannah in particular to me. Um, so the woman that's speaker is just like, five, four. And I was like, no, three, two, one. And then finally she like hits one of the buttons and off screen. We hear like one of the girls like screaming. She chooses Spencer. Did she choose Spencer? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry, Spence. Yeah. 
Um, and then back more to you know Emily firing the gun range. The black bullseye area is just like covered in holes now. And she empties her clip, sets the gun down sm- slowly, just kind of like almost like like twitching with like rage, you know. And then a, a hand reaches from behind her. It's Pam. Pam's there in her like ear guards and eyeglasses or safety glasses. And Emily seems to soften a little, almost like she's like afraid now. Well, but I also feel like it's like she's just kind of relive you know incident from the dollhouse. But now mm-hmm. that her mom's here and seen her disobeying it's like it's another kind of shame to have to deal with so after the commercial we're in church the <laughs> organ music is blaring and there's Allie's in church and somehow the place isn't just burning in flames yeah if i was allison and i was in church you know what i'd be saying to myself right now why am i in church exactly uh so remember when allison totally like jesus freak shamed mona for singing <laughs> in church well now she's it's just sitting there, and then she looks over, and oh, it's uh, Lorenzo the cop in some street clothes, some really bizarre street clothes, uh, sitting in a pew over on the right in front of her. And this is a point where I wonder, is she watching him? Like, did she come here to spy on him? I kind of wonder where they're going with this, this spot is not line. A big Maybe church. this is an innocent thing. Maybe not. I don't know. This is not a. I mean, I guess I believe in this not incredibly huge church that maybe. After 45 minutes, you can realize that this person who's been sitting next to you the whole time is there. The same way that, like, you could be trying on a yellow top in your bedroom for a while mm-hmm. and then look over and see, like, a lipstick, like, threat written on your mirror, I, yeah. I guess. Well, she Although watches think... him until he looks over. And then she looks away, kind of like, she hides a little smile she does. And as soon as he looks back, she kind of glances at him again. I want to say that uh, after this episode aired, Brian Holden tweeted that he had this jacket previously. Really interesting. Or a very similar jacket. Well, it's it's weird because it looks like a vest, but not kind of. It's it's like a blazer, but the sleeves are a different fabric. I don't know. It's, it's bizarre. Also, he has like red pants on. He's got red pants on. Yeah. He's got red pants on. I mean, uh, you got to be a bold kind of guy to buy red pants. You really do. You do indeed, especially to wear them. Uh, so we go outside the church. Allie's walking away. Lorenzo's kind of hurrying after her he's like allison and of course she ignores him the first time but then when he calls her again she decides uh all right fine i'll turn around and acknowledge you uh and uh lorenzo says hi lorenzo and Allie's like i know and he says the first time we met i was in uniform a lot of people that's all they see this is the guy at the model good looks but also she's bemused by that like this dude is going to explain public perception issues mm-hmm. to me me yeah Allie's like i remember you it's very kind of coy and Lorenzo says, it's nice seeing a familiar face. I'm still pretty new. And I says, me too. In church. I used to go when I was a kid and then I didn't go. And now, I don't know. And he says, you know, that's how it was for me. Uh, you go, then you get too smart for it. Then you start to wonder how smart you actually are. And Ali says, I like the music. And Lorenzo says, yeah, the music's great. But when he says it, his face has this grimace on it. Like he totally doesn't believe what he's saying. He's just like, yeah, the music's great. And he's, and he's like, I gotta go. And he's like, sure. And she turns away and he says, hey, don't worry. And he's like, about what? And he says, I won't tell anybody I saw you in church. She says, what makes you think I don't want people to know? And he says, I don't know. I just know that you don't. And they just kind of stare at each other and she walks off. But he walks off. He walks off. What, what, do, we, what do we think of this? I mean, I, I guess this guy's like kind of like, you know, potential love interests here. What's your, what's your feeling on this guy? Have you ever done that thing where your potential enamorata, like, like is walking off, like they have the last line and they're leaving the situation. And you 
call out to them and you say something so that you can then do the walk off? No. I don't know. I don't know what he's like, why he needed to let her know. Like, it's such a weird thing to me whenever you have to tell somebody like, hey, I get you. I just with Allie, like it's hard for me to ever believe she doesn't have an angle. You know what I mean? Like, but that's what you like about her, though. Yeah, it's not like you distrust her. You like that she always has an angle. Mm -hmm. So we go to the Fields' house. Emily's marching in. She looks pissed. Pam slams the door and she's shouting after her as they walk into the kitchen. And Pam's like, "You went, yeah, the kitchen. You went back after we talked. After I changed the combination, you went back." And we see the Fields' kitchen for like the first time. I'm pretty sure. It's the it's a different kitchen than the one in the pilot. That's for damn sure. Yeah. Well, they had to remodel it, right? Because the car drove into it. That works. Because mm-hmm. also, this kitchen's not in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> and Emily says, "You just said I couldn't use Dad, so I rented a gun." And Pam's like, "Seriously, Emily? I need to know what's going on with you." And Emily says, "Dad's defending people. Why can't I defend us?" And uh, Pam says, "Because this has nothing to do with defending anything, and you know it." You never bring anger into a fire in your range, ever. And Emily's like, I'm not angry. As she's like shouting. As she becomes the physical embodiment of the goddess of hellfire. Yeah. Pan's like, I saw you, Emily. And Emily finally backs off. You can tell she's really fighting to just like keep it together here. Taking some yeah. big breaths. Finally, she says, they said we were down there for three weeks. Is that right? Pam says, it was a bit longer than that. And Emily says, well, it felt like, I don't know what it felt like. After a while, there wasn't any time anymore. And Pam seems like sort of like horrified but riveted to hear more. Yeah. And then he says, That girl, Sarah, you saw her. Did you see her eyes? And Pam's like, Her eyes? And then he says, Did you look at her eyes? I did. She was down there for years. And you could see that in her eyes. What would have happened if it, I'd been down there for years? They both have tears in their eyes now. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good work by Shane Mitchell here. It's very affecting. Uh, and Pam's just like, Emily, the person who did this is behind bars. And he says, you mean there isn't any other, any more bad people out there? There's nobody who's ever going to hurt anybody again? And Pam says, a gun isn't going to change that. Not for you, not for anyone. Take that, NRA. And he's like, I know, I was afraid. And I thought maybe it could take away some of the fear, but it didn't. It made it worse. It made you the same as what you're afraid of. And she's barely holding it together. Pam comes over and says, honey, I'm sorry. And they hug and Emily just starts to break down. Good scene. I mean, this is this is her her Emmy reel right here. Yeah, not a doubt. Um, meanwhile, They're, in the usual Arya storyline, Team Sparia, uh, Spencer's here having a little meetup in Arya's room. Arya's doing her Arya stuff where she paces and rants, and Spencer just watches her. Arya's like, "Okay, I screwed up on a global scale. I mean, I just I wanted to help. I just wanted it to be over with. I mean, there were whole parts of my brain that were trying to stop me from lying, and the stupid parts won." Nice hand acting there, Lucy. And uh, Spencer is just kind of watching Arya flip out. And she says, yeah, well, the stupid brain is small, but it's wily. Meta statement. <laughs> That's the next t-shirt. Just a picture of Arya and it says small, but wily. Mm-hmm. Arya says, I might as well open the cell door and let Andrew walk out. Which, honestly, Arya, I don't think it's really that bad. It's not like you're on a witness stand or anything. Like, you hurt your own credibility with the DA a little, but it's this isn't going to set in. Well, the, the 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 rhythm they have here. Spencer says, "No, I don't think it's as bad as that." And Arya says, "And she's like, well, it's not good.'" And Spencer's like, "No, it's not good." But I understand the impulse. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, Spencer is on like lower power in this episode, mm-hmm. but I have to say, 
as like mesmerizing as Troy Belsari is when she's at usual full Spencer 11, there's something equally differently hard to look away from about her when she's on the low power. I don't know. She's it's probably like, fucking exhausted, I would imagine. Yeah, but just like, I don't know, like like weary Spencer is just equally fascinating in a whole other yeah. way. Um, so uh, Arya's wearing a dress, which I actually want to save to talk about till a later scene. But um, really? really, yeah, yeah, I do. I mean, you'll you'll see why. Um, but I have to point out that and this is like a black pattern dress. But then she has like like basketball shoes on, <laughs> like yeah. like cross trainers. It's such a weird look. They're like shoes that I would normally think you'd see like on Emily. Yeah, yeah. This they're, is they're like black and white working shoes. out at the gym shoes. Yeah, and so. You know, Spencer says, no, it's not good. I understand the impulse. And Arya's like, I know. Well, thanks for coming over. And Spencer's like, yeah, thank you for calling me. And Arya looks at Spencer for a beat. And then very, you know, very quietly, she says, I'm sorry. Spencer's like, sorry for what? And you see all these emotions flash over her face. And then she kind of looks away. And Spencer's kind of processing this. There's a lot left unsaid here. But I I think we can kind of figure out what Arya is sorry for, you know, vis-a-vis the dollhouse. And Arya changes the subject. She says, so Hannah called and, and she thinks that we should go to school tomorrow. Spencer's just like rubbing her head. And she's like, yeah, um, that's not a bad idea. Just, and then we hear Ella call from outside. She's like, Arya, can I borrow you? Uh, and Arya's like, yeah, sure. And then to Spencer, she says, I'll be right back. And Spencer's like, okay. So Arya walks out, leaving Spencer kind of alone in the frames. Another very cool like shot from far away as the camera kind of like moves over to show on Ari's nightstand those pills. Get it, Spence. The Spencer oh. gets up and she walks over to the pills and picks one up, picks up the anti-anxiety meds. Very cool, like long shot of her. Like as the camera moves over, she walks into focus again and then picks him up. And somehow Troy and Belsari becomes three feet taller in the process. Yeah. Well, it's a, a fun reversal. Like she used to abuse amphetamines to stay awake. And keep up with school, but now she's stealing anxiety meds just to help her sleep. Yeah. Um, also, the shot is not at all a Dutch angle. Um, so after the commercial, we're in Hannah's bedroom. It's uh, another day, like maybe a day later. Um, Caleb is like blown up an air mattress for Hannah and like finishes, and he's like, "All right, here you go." And she like kind of like lays out on the air mattress on her side. Uh, this is going to be the specifically the Laventura shot. Um, <laughs> yeah, which I'll get into a second, but. Uh, She's like, thank you. At least now my mom have her privacy back, which I want to know about that scene where Hannah's just like, do you really bring the bottle of wine to bed, mom? And Ashley's like, yes. You don't? Look, Hannah's like, how does it feel? And she's like, well, like I'm about to be boxed and shit. So he has a little laugh and he kind of like lays behind her on the mattress and watches her. This is the love into her shot. With well, the, way he's, and... the way he's hovering over her. Yeah. Yeah. The, Monica Vitti and Gabrielle Frizzetti. Uh, fun fact, Gabrielle Frizzetti also played James Bond's father-in-law. Mm. So he says, have I ever told you that I think you're the bravest person I've ever met? And she's like, I don't think so. But you can try. He's like, you're the bravest person I've ever met. And she's like, I like it. It's not true. But I like the sound of it. He's like, it is true. You're going to get through this. You and your friends. And she's like, how is that going to happen when I'm having a hard time looking them in the eye? And he's like, you will. That's what people do. They mend. You taught me that. Sometimes you end up stronger at the broken places, which is like now the name of like 500 Tumblr accounts, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, stronger Lee's at other- the broken places. Well, yeah. so we've seen Emily chose to torture Spencer. Spencer chose to torture Arya. It's sort of implied in that last scene that Arya chose to torture Spencer. So wither Hannah. Like what? what is she 
having a hard time looking them in the eye for like did did she do something to them did they do something to her you know we're still kind of wondering about that i my so having an inkling of an idea from the the commercial the trailer for the next episode when watching rewatching the welcome the doll or game on uh, charles last week my inclination from that scene was that they had done it to her Hmm. like the way spencer lingered in that doorway i took that as some of spencer's guilt specifically maybe towards hannah or the others Hmm. um and also aria because i also felt like aria felt wronged too hence her whole I don't want to talk about which I think we saw. Emily chose Arya. Spencer chose Arya. Oh, okay. I thought Emily chose. Mm. Oh, no, Emily, Emily chose, chose Spencer. Spencer. Yeah. That's right. Oh, mind you, they they were down there for three weeks, so yeah, maybe true. maybe they had to choose many like people. A, lots of times they had to play their own kind of uh, personal fucked up version of mystery date. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So she lies on her back and she's like, "Do you know what I want?" And he's like, "What?" And she's like, "I want my night table back." He smiles and they kiss. And I I like this because it, it's. It's Hannah basically saying that, you know, some of her old, like, mental furniture is salvageable. Yeah, and she's she's starting to, like, she's softened with, with Caleb. There, there's not the antagonism anymore. She's right. starting to, you know, mend, just like he says. Yeah. Uh, so we go to the brew. Allie is cautiously approaching Lorenzo. He's, like, reading a paper. He's got some, like, sliders and coffee in front of him. Ice coffee's been so, like, this, this bookstore slash coffee shop also serves sliders. What, what kind of business are uh, you running, Ezra? Uh, excuse me, they're little hamburgers. Little hamburgers, yeah. And little hamburger. Allie just walks right up, and just as he was about to like eat a fry, she says, "I'm sorry if I was rude to you in front of the church. I'm embarrassed about it. Not embarrassed about going. Embarrassed about what people might think." And he kind of sets his paper down, like slack jawed, probably not sure how to react. Maybe he's pissing hold that his pants for like twenty minutes. Yeah, Allie says, "I'm sure Toby. He's told you plenty about me, so he can understand why people seeing me at church would say she's just in there for show, or maybe she went crazy in jail, which is not true, really. Either one. I like how she had to clarify the crazy part. Yeah, uh, she's probably the only sane one of the liars at this point. <laughs> so this dude, like, he takes this all in. Finally, eats the fry he's been holding for like two minutes. And he slides his plate over and he says, would you like one of these little hamburgers? And Allie's like, they're called sliders. No, she's, she sits down and says thanks. She kind of letting her guard down a little. You know, she's yeah. she's relaxed now. Well, I think she she's kind of mystified by his off-putting, disarming, like, goofy weirdness. She's um, like, you make sense to me. You're another adult male in Rosewood who's sort of hitting on a teenage girl. I know yeah. how to deal with that. So you're you're an authority figure who also mm-hmm. has a taste for the young women. Um, I was this guy this, like twenty two minimum. Started something. I, yeah. you I know, mean, I feel bad for him though that he's probably older than Toby, but maybe Toby has seniority as in, in the partnership. Toby's like nineteen still, uh, maybe exactly. twenty. Teen cops. Why? Well, I mean, Ali. Even if she's eighteen, this dude's like gotta be at least 21 i'm guessing i mean it's the five-year time jump just the toby and lorenzo like in 21 jump street there you go uh so we cut to some black and white still shots like camera shutter shutters clicking here looks to be an old train station uh do you know what this reference is are you are you skipping over the hannah stuff oh sorry it's yeah. a yeah sorry it's a very quick hannah shot um yeah before we go to aria in her pictures we go to hannah's room it's night She's sleeping with Caleb, or, you know, she's in Caleb's arms. He's still awake. On the air mattress. On the air mattress. 
Ashley Night Trouble com- with the lamp is back. Mm-hmm. Ashley comes into the doorway and kind of smiles at them, and Caleb's just like, I'm, I'm going to leave in just a minute. And Ashley's like, stay a while, let her sleep. So he nods, and Ashley lingers, and then she comes inside and kind of slides down the wall, like, you know, kind of sitting against it. And she and Caleb kind of contented glances as Hannah sleeps. And then they just sit there for who knows how long before it gets weird. I, just, I wish that you didn't see Ashley's hands and then, like, before the shot ends, she like, just lifts the wine glass to her lips. <laughs> I always I always wish there was, like, an edit where you could, like, like, like put that in there. Every time there's an Ashley scene, like, it always ends with, like, a wine glass coming to her lips. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we get the the sound of the camera shutter. We see some of Arya's pictures, old black and white photos or black and white artsy photos of like the outside of an old building, the hanging kind of chandelier thing. It looks like it'd be like an abandoned ballroom, the looks side like of an old train. Train, yeah. Um, is it a reference? To something I don't know. I think it's very cool shots. Um, then we see like we're, I don't we're I don't think this is a clue. I guess is what I would say. Oh, I know. I saw some stuff online where people were like, there's an A in every single one of those shots. And I don't think that's what Ari There is doing. not. There's an A in I'm, one of those shots. Yeah, there's an A in one of those shots in the building. I'm kind of curious, like, where do they think Ari is, like, wandering around town? Because this is a side of Rosewood I'd be much much more interested in hearing about, like, where the old train is or whatever. But, uh, so, we're, like, we're looking into the the window into Ari's living room. We see her holding the camera. Then uh, we see that she takes a photo of, like, we see the black and white shot of her curtains and window from inside. And as Arya like inspects it, like Ella comes into the room and she's just like, I've been sitting in the other room trying to come up with a way to ask you about what happened today at the police station. Arya, before she turns around, she's like, well, I think you just did. <laughs> and I was like, do you want to talk about it? And Arya turns to face her. Um, there's, there's something very simple about this movement. There's like a, like a body language and the way that it's, it's, the shot is composed and the look on Lucy House's face, I love. Yeah, I know. And she's great. just like, oh, I think I've said enough, don't you? I've done enough damage talking. I'm just going to stick to the visuals from now on. So, so it was it was when she said, I'm just going to stick to the visuals from now on, that I noticed for the first time that her black print dress, which with like weird geometric white shapes on it in white, mm-hmm. also in white, all over it says, stop men in all caps. Take that, Andrew. I'm just going to stick to the visuals from now on. Oh, Arya, nailed it once again. Stop well, I- men. I believe that the geometric shapes are uh, hieroglyphs that further cement the show's deep-rooted connection to the Illuminati. Mm-hmm. Of course. Uh, so, yeah, Ella like, kind of ponders this and sits. And, or maybe she's just realized Arya's dress. Mm-hmm. Uh, she says, the police talked this after they brought you out of that place. They told us what it was like. Not well, and you, see, you can see Arya crosses her arms. like She doesn't like even hearing about this. Like it, It's upsetting that her, her mom knows anything about that place. Well, yeah, because I don't, I don't think she wants. She actually says, "So you didn't see it." Ella says, "No," and Arya sighs and says, "Good." It's she doesn't want anyone to see her that way. She doesn't mm-hmm. want to be the seen as the victim. She just wants to excise the dollhouse from her existence and like never mention it again. Even though yeah. she, she did apologize to Spencer, but that's like the only time she's ever really even acknowledged it. Right. She says, Ella says, "We all want the person that did this to you caught and punished. We may want different levels of that punishment, but it's what we all want." And Arya's like, "It was him." It was Andrew. It has to be Andrew. It has to be over, basically. And Ella says, Arya, you're very smart. But please remember, you're also very wise. And it hits Arya hard because that is a devastatingly brilliant line. So the way I interpreted this is to say that, you know, differences between knowledge and wisdom. Wisdom usually requires experience. 
I feel like Ella's trying to remind Arya of her own experiences here. Like, you know, like, be wise about this. You, 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 you've experienced this before. You know, don't lie. Don't do something stupid. Yeah, don't do that. But also, don't jump to conclusions. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the middle of the night, we're in Emily's darkened bedroom. She's like sitting over by the bench with the window open. Uh, song's playing. The first line of the song are revenge is bittersweet. It's a basic <laughs> human instinct. Emily gets up. She tries on her dad's uniform jacket again. She kind of faces towards the window. Then later we see her walking out the front of her house. She's still wearing her dad's uniform jacket, looking around, looking at the star. I know a lot of people are like, what the hell are you doing walking out after midnight, Emily? Well, I mean, you just got abducted. Once again, she's supposed to be safe. The, mm-hmm. the man who abducted her is supposed to be behind bars. But um, because it's Emily, of course, she hears leaves rustling. <laughs> looks over across the street is the silhouette of a person in a hoodie watching her oh shit i love just what shay mitchell does here she ponders for the for a second to run well, away she takes she a, looks, a step back yeah. she looks back at her house and then she runs towards the person and as we get closer to them only then they start to back away and step into the light and we see that sarah harvey in a gray hoodie sarah harvey yeah um yeah. Not Emily's. a black. We've seen we've seen CC in a white hood. We've seen A and countless times in a black hoodie. But here's Sarah Harvey in a gray hoodie. Mm-hmm. Emily's like Sarah, and Sarah says, "I saw your address in the hospital. I didn't know where to go." And Emily's like, "What happened?" She says, "I ran away." So now Emily has a new blonde to take care of. Mm-hmm. Uh, so later, Emily and Sarah are on the steps on the the porch there, and Pam brings out some tea for Sarah. Emily says she was happy to see you. Your mom. She must have been. And Pam says, maybe it was just really hard for her to show you because you were gone so long. And Sarah says, when I was gone, people were very sympathetic with my mother. They paid attention to her. Then I came home and I spoiled everything. I should have stayed in that hole. And he's like, don't say that. And Sarah says, I should have. I was finally doing something to make my mother happy. And Pam's face is just like, yikes. Uh, She's like, well, no one's going anywhere tonight. You can stay, Sarah, but we've got to call your mother. Mm. Sarah's like, you can try. So Pam says, all right, I'll make up the sofa. Emily says, okay. Pam goes inside, and Emily's like, it'll be all right. Just don't think about that place. It's all over. We're going to get some justice now. And Sarah's like, Emily, that guy they caught? Emily's like, Andrew, what about him? And Sarah's like, I saw him on TV. Are you sure it's him? And it's like, well, obviously not now. Yeah, Emily can't answer that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, like, okay, you could try to spin a theory where like CC Drake picked up Sarah Harvey at the hospital pretending to be her mom, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I think it's this story as laid out straightforward is much more interesting though. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and Cause we already know she ran away to begin with. Right. So obviously the home situation was not great. It, it seems, it seems like it checks out that she would have run away again, you know? Oh, Didn't well, I think, didn't like the situation to begin with, got back, was like, fuck this, it's still the same, basically, and took off again. Well, and as we we were living in an age much more prevalent, not just like fiction like Gone Girl, but like of the missing white woman and, and the teenage girls and the stuff mm-hmm. and the families and stuff, it it's kind of a horrible but familiar story to hear about a parent who might have grown accustomed to the attention that comes mm-hmm. with a missing child. Um, and then you can very easily guess at things that this teenage girl might have done that would upset her mother her well, traditional she, she mother called herself you know bad girl basically yeah yeah and i mean we're all just assuming that she's going to grow closer to emily possibly romantically too and emily's she's just a magnet 
Yeah. Uh, so we cut to a single yellow pill in Spencer's hand here. She's on her bed debating whether or not to take it. She's also wearing a Captain America shirt of some sort. I mean, not it's literally, Cap- but it has like, you know, the star on the chest and the shoulders. Captain America shirt, sure, maybe Wonder Woman. She reminds me a lot more of a comic book character called Miss America from Marvel Comics. But I mean, yeah, basically Spencer's going to fight for your basic American rights here. Yeah. And then a light comes out, comes on out in the hall. Uh Nice that Spencer's door is still propped open. She's probably, like, never going to be able to sleep with a closed door anymore. Uh, So Spencer stashes the pill and, like, kind of readjusts herself in the bed to look casual. It's Veronica, and Veronica's like, haven't you gotten any sleep? That is a lot of fucking nerve, Veronica. Spencer's like, uh, no. Well, she'd say, haven't you? She says, have you gotten any sleep? Yeah. Um, but yeah, Spencer says no, uh, but I'll be okay, don't worry. Um, Veronica almost leaves, ponders it, then comes further in the room towards the bed. She grabs some of Spencer's pillows, and Spencer's like, what are you doing? And Veronica's like, we'll sit up together, and we'll watch a movie, we both fall asleep, okay? And Spencer, like, she seems okay at that. She's like, okay. And Veronica kisses Spencer on the cheek, they leave the room. Well, like, at, after she kisses her on the cheek, Spencer, you can really see her face brighten up a little, you know? Yeah. That, that was a, a genuine moment. And then a song called Give Us a Little Love by Falula starts playing. Which sounds very much like Hearts. It sounds like uh, Miss Mister to me. I was like, what, do they make Miss Mister put out another album just to add more PLL songs on the soundtrack? Miss Mister did just put out another album. Mm-hmm. Just for PLL. Yeah. You're sure I'm all about Chris Moliere calls them up. Where's that fucking album? Need more, need more montage music. Uh, so then uh, her phone beeps. And so Spencer you know, stops and turns back. And I, I'm sure... We, the viewers, and Spencer in some part of her mind is wondering, oh, shit, is this an Atex? But no, it's just Emily. So she answers and says, hey, Em. And then we get this montage. Um, it's kind of a neat montage because... Oh, it's very cool, yeah. The they're, we can the liars are going to be talking on the phone, and we can kind of barely hear the voices. They're muffled. It's not like it's not like there's no audio. We, we hear them talking, but it's muffled, so we can't really hear what they're saying because Emily's sitting on her window talking to spencer and we we can tell that she says i don't know at one point that's yeah. all we can really make out it's very cool audio effect uh and then we go to hannah is on the phone in her room and these are all like shots through windows here well hannah goes and like sits in a chair there's like now a chair in her room like a lone chair yeah yeah uh, so i assume hannah's talking to her her you know her other aria here because then we cut to aria on the phone uh aria's you know looking out her window aria has a tank top on that just says barf so on point yeah aria always knows exactly what to wear to express her emotions and so uh oh. then we go to uh the da it seems to be like interrogating andrew andrew's like in the beige like prison jumpsuit but we're we see this through the window of the mm-hmm. interrogation room um he's upset arguing of her quite emphatically about something he seems to say no i was not i could definitely make that out and it, i think he just from lip reading he seems to be saying i was walking through blah blah, blah. like I don't, I don't know what kind of defense he's you know trying to pull there but i was just passing through he's, he's very he's gesturing and he's defiant you know like he's definitely not confessing to anything here well Adam, uh, also those are some huge ass guns on andrew there jesus well his 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 body is so big and mm-hmm. built that his head looks tiny he's just like i'm a teenager <laughs> <laughs> i haven't seen her in high school uh then we're in allison's bedroom now for rewatching this i've forgotten and i was like oh wow the montage kind of ended in a weird place so we're in allison's bedroom she's looking we're not, not looking her initially through her window she looks lost in the thought in her lap is a photo album, like a family photo album. there's 
baby pictures there, presumably like baby Jason, and then another one like young boy Jason, who is the boy from the Apple Farm video of slightly longer hair. Mm-hmm. But there's also clearly two missing photos, like missing more missing puzzle pieces. And we kind of pull out then from Allison's bedroom window as she shuts the photo album in size. And that now Allison is the one like not getting answers. Yeah, she's she's kind of putting together. There's there's something weird here with all these missing photos in this family photo album. Yeah, yeah. And then the last lyric we hear of the song is, uh, "We'll pour it in a cup, try to drink it up. Pour it in a well if you go to hell." Hmm. Fade to black. That is the episode. Fascinating episode. There's essentially no plot other than like the liars recover, uh, but it's really. Really affecting and uh, interesting to watch. I think I mean, one, of, one of the most emotionally impactful episodes they've ever done. You know, other than the liars dealing with stuff, but also tying into that, they kind of move some of the relationships forward. We could see where, like, something could have be developed between, like, Allison and Lorenzo, some kind of relationship of, of some sort. Same thing, possibly, with Emily and Sarah. Um, yeah, like, what a, what a fascinating and... Well, this is for, this for, is okay, an this episode show. we need. Like, you can't just yeah. have the liars be like, "All right, back to the mystery." Yeah, like yeah. they were just tortured for a month. Like, you you have to have an episode like this to let them process that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's but it's daring though. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's not it's like the holodeck episode where the holodeck has to malfunction; they all have to die. Like, well, I mean, sure. Like, if, issues. I know. Apparently, on like Tumblr and like the. PLL subreddit people are just like, oh my god, there are not enough answers, you know, need more mystery. But I don't know, man. I feel like you're just missing out on like really great character studies. Um, I believe it was uh, Sarah C on our website page left a comment about how the writers used the uh, the Hannah Zack storyline from 5A kind of like to explore themes about like slut shaming and victim blaming and you know that maybe they're kind of doing the same thing here at the liars i think they definitely are i mean like i said i think this whole episode is just metaphors about recovering from trauma mm-hmm. and it's really interesting that you know you get four different perspectives on it and the different ways they react and how people react to them and i like that they didn't try to put a bow on it it's not like everybody's like fine at the end of the episode i mean right. they're they're maybe starting to heal, but it's not like, okay, we're, all, we're we're good to go now. You know, you can tell there's still a lot of just fractures in their psyche right now. Mm-hmm. Fun episode. Yeah. In its own way. Depressing, yeah. dark, but, but good. But just uh, quite a meal to uh, mm-hmm. enjoy. Yeah. So that was the episode. Uh, next week, it's more of the same in 603 Songs oh, of Experience. Well, because, yeah, the William Blake songs of innocent experience are basically about growing up and the, the the dangerous naivete of your innocence, of your youth, evaporates into experience. And it's, it's a new world you have to live in. Yeah, um, same same writing, written and directing team there. Joseph Doherty wrote it. Norman Buckley directed it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is the episode. If you want to get in touch with us, you can go to our website page, which is broswatchpll2.com. Uh, you can leave a comment there if you want to explore, you know, longer thoughts. We always appreciate. It. We get a lot of comments. I know we've gotten a lot on past episodes. I do see them all. Sorry if I don't always reply, uh, but we do see them and appreciate them. Um, you can also hit us up on Twitter. We are at BrosWatchPLL2. We got a lot of reviews. We got a shitload of reviews since just last week, which is awesome and amazing. Uh, so from the USA, we had reviews from Team Spona. 
Sarah Z1980 LTO Phono. Um, this next one is just a lot of L's and O's and P's and H's. And then a Hawkalicious. Nice name. This next one, I swear it's just somebody pounding like their keyboard. I'm not going to attempt to read that. And then Actual Bad Guys. Nice. For some actual bad guys. From Canada, we had Serena Macy. From the UK, we had Guz XXX and Beans, uh, Ertle the Turtle, and GKG. From mm. Greece, we had NK Gombi. I mean, wow, we're getting international. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, Do, doing it big, international. Yeah, so we had a question people wanted to address, but before we do that, was there anything else you had? Oh, I had a couple. Also, I wanted to say, too, um, the the last U2 album, the one that everyone lost no. their fucking minds about because they got it for free. Oh, how dare you give it to me for free? Was called Songs of Innocence with the same reference. Their <laughs> current tour, which I believe Chad Lowe, uh, social media about he was there. It was uh, Songs of Innocence Experience Tour. I wanted to... Um, oh, I just lost my names. Where did they go? Uh, yeah, I wanted to say hello and thanks to Rochelle, Mia, and her dog, Toby. Alicia, Jane, John, Nick, Courtney, who gave us the Cindy and Mindy as the twins from the Shining Photoshop. <laughs> Kendra, Claire, who is studying psychology, and William Blake, uh, and finally had like a like an outlet for that. Mm-hmm. And also Heather. Um, Toby the just, dog. Just like, woof. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to hear. I, I I feel like, Mia, you need to like put your uh, your dog Toby in one of those Phoebe t-shirts now. Um, and then oh, I was just wow, talk- wow. I was going to talk about uh, uh, some of the articles on the internet. Or sorry, were you going to go into that? What articles do you mean? Well, like, uh, so someone took part of our interview of Troy and, and cut it to just some of this, like, footage of, like, her and, like, Sasha Pietersa, because it's just the part about how young Sasha Pietersa was in the pilot, which I thought was mm. interesting. Uh, I was amazed to see that there was a thing on Reddit about our episode last week. Yeah, that was uh, cool. There was also a Reddit transcription of our interview or parts of it. Um, also, it was like the whole thing. It was amazing. It wasn't the whole thing. I, oh, I it wasn't? It wasn't the whole thing. It was, it was, and it wasn't fully accurate, but it was pretty damn close considering it's a long interview. Um, there's an Oh No They Didn't article, mostly about the PLO BuzzFeed article, but it also talked about our interview. Also, 17 Magazine Online, Alloy's website did a thing. Um, also, I don't know if it, oh, the TV.com mentioned us in their, their write-up about the premiere last week. All right, you're just bragging now. What, what I just want to say thanks to these people. Um, okay. Also, Storage.com had a thing about a podcast to listen to while moving, and they mentioned us, which I thought was fascinating. <laughs> there you go. They're like, if you're going to be moving for several hours, you can listen <laughs> to these guys. They never shut up. Talk about PLL. Mm-hmm. Which in this episode is, you know, fitting. Sure. Um, so one last thing. We, I, we've gotten this question a lot. Um, I think Kyla is one of the ones who asked about it on our website page, but a lot of other people have as well. We want to know, who do we think is A? Do you have any thoughts on that, Marco? Uh, the safest answer is to me is still CC. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I'm not particularly interested in like the super long overarching theories. Some of the ones I think like Rachel Watkins has one going about it's not Charles who's A, because Charles, Charles might be is dead. Yeah. And, and it's it's intriguing. Um, I feel like because it's a TV show it's going to be a little simpler than that. It's because it has to be, as Joseph Doherty quoted from uh, Raymond Chandler, it has to be something you can guess pretty quickly right before it's actually revealed. It has to mm-hmm. get digestible. In a TV show. All right, well, give us an answer. 
Um, I'm going to go with CC still, though. Okay. Um, one interesting thing, there was an article uh, where they had an interview with a lot of people. I believe it's BuzzFeed. Um, one of them was with Marlene King, and she basically said that the first few episodes of season three, they had one idea for who A was going to be, and then she changed her mind. Hmm. Uh, it sounded like right around like episode three or four, and she came up with this whole Charles plotline, apparently, and like pitched it to everyone. So I went back and watched a little bit of S3E3 and S3E4. I mean, there's definitely, you know, some setup there. I think that the two, like, easiest or most logical choices would probably be, like, Cece and, and Ren. Mm-hmm. They're, they're both around there at that time period. And, they you know, you could both say that maybe they're being set up. Um, I don't know. I, I'm just going to go wild card here. I'm sure this is wrong, but I'm going Meredith. I think Meredith would be a great out of nowhere reveal. That was the one that you read. On I the love, I love the Meredith one. Yeah, it's it's she very was in the pilot. She's yeah, been she's around. We know she's a little kooky. I just, I always, when I think of Meredith, though, out of all that fucking craziness, including Arya making a shiv and Meredith locking the mm-hmm. girls in like Arya's basement, I still think about after it ended. Byron then called her dad and they had a good <laughs> chat about it. And I just think about how awkward and fucking weird that is. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of good circumstantial evidence for Ren and Cece, either of them. But it, it I don't know, it's, you get to the point where it's like, it, would it almost just be a letdown if it was one of them? Because, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, that's, I mean, and maybe that's just what it's going to be. Just, you know, it's like, well, yeah, they, they laid all these clues and you notice them. Good for you. Um, but I don't know. I, I'm going to go with Meredith just to, to change it up and maybe, you know, do something fun. I, if I'm right, I can just be like, boom, called it. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't think you can even really consider like it's it's Toby or it's Caleb anymore. I mean, never mind. It, or it seems a... like they've put them in in locations where it couldn't be them, basically. Also, I just don't think they're capable enough. No, I mean, Ezra is still kind of shady. But oh, I think, she's shady, I think that's just but in general. Every man in Rosewood is yeah. shady. Also, well, like, like um, really wants Arya to write about it. I I keep thinking back to that thing that Brian Holman said in the interview, though, that Ezra Sybil. might get his chance to write something soon. Oh yeah, that too. I keep thinking about that civil business as well. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, as much as I would love to see it being Allison having a uh, uh, another personality, I. I how is she doing that when like she's yeah. on her way to the dollhouse and blah 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 maybe it's sarah harvey maybe she's the only I, person in the dollhouse i do like the sarah harvey one because i could see i mean i could telegraph in my mind how you would play all that out it 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 works i think um that that maybe this isn't actually sarah harvey or even if it is sarah whatever mm-hmm. um but i think cc is the one that's enjoyable and fun and i like vanessa ray i think you know she could have a good evil monologue before she falls into a river and her mm-hmm. body's never found until five years later or whatever i thought it was interesting too i started to think about the the time jump because it's like 2012 on the show now a five-year time jump would take you to 2017 which is about when the show would end in real time mm-hmm. yeah which, which i thought was interesting because i started to think it's like a parks and rec thing where the show would end slightly in the future but really it won't it'll It'll line up just right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Well, there. So you're taking CC, and I'm going Meredith. We both picked women when uh, Charles is apparently a man, but he just hand waved it. Oh, as maybe Charles said, is dead. Yeah, as Toby said, it's always felt like a woman, hasn't it? <laughs> All right. Well, we'll be back next week to talk about songs of experience. Yeah.
拜拜。